0: Wednesday, May the 20th. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. I'm going to be bouncing around today between recap of the last dance, the Bulls documentary. We'll go through a recap of the final two parts of that 10-part series that aired over the weekend. We'll hit up uh, the NFL with uh, Eric. We're going to go through part two of our three-part series where we broke down every team in the NFL based on their schedules, over under win totals. They're tough stretches. Fantasy players we like. We get through each team. So we start with Dallas, and actually we start. We ended with Dallas last time. We go from Denver through Miami. So we go from uh, the Broncos through the Dolphins, and then we'll pick up with part three, and that's going to begin um, in in just a few days, and that starts with Minnesota with the Vikes. So. Um, Denver through Miami, we're going to go through some horse racing for Thursday, best plays from Gulfstream, a pick five and some plays throughout at Churchill, pick five and some plays throughout at Golden Gate, and then a recap of Wrestlemania 5 with Jason Beam, Danny Kovaloff, we go through every match, the promos, the commentary, everything, when the mega powers explode back in 1989, macho man. Versus Hulk Hogan in the main event The Ultimate Warrior versus Rick Rude For the IC title Fun show To discuss Let's get right into The Last Dance So I'm bummed that this was a Parts 9 and 10 I really enjoyed this series I know a lot of people um, out there were Complaining because it's very pro-Michael Jordan And um, he got a lot of uh, Editing approval And that's why this thing was made Because Jordan was involved But it's interesting. I like hearing him talk or like to hear from him. And you 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 kind of take it with a grain of salt and you understand that everything you're seeing and hearing is probably not 100% accurate, right? I mean, it is t- what documentary or or behind the scenes um look is, right? There's always some kind of an angle. And and this was a lot of fun. So part 9 begins with uh, the Pacers Bulls and this is 98 and Reggie and MJ are getting into it and Reggie's talking about how he didn't fear MJ as as much as everybody else He said, what happened he tells a funny story about when he was young he talked trash to Michael, they were playing and he had a really good first half and then MJ just turned it on and absolutely destroyed him in the second half and then uh, Michael told Reggie don't ever talk trash to Black Jesus Um, MJ felt that the Pacers actually played them the toughest This season And uh, they were in the 98 Eastern Conference Finals Bulls go up 2 games to none Pacers win Game 3 behind Reggie And Game 4 is a back and forth Uh, Bulls go up 1 with 6.4 seconds left Pacers turn it over, have to foul Pippen misses both free throws Pacers ball with 2.9 seconds left Reggie pushes off MJ And he hits that game winner to go up Um, Bulls ball with, with... .7 .7 seconds left MJ has the double clutch shot He just misses He has the opportunity to actually make it 3-1 But uh, but it's tied 2-2 And then we flash back to 97 So it's the 97 finals with Utah When uh, Stockton hits the game winner To beat the Rockets In the Western Conference Finals To send Utah to the finals So it's Utah versus the Bulls And MJ's got a little chip on his shoulder Because Carl Malone got the MVP That was added motivation for him Game 1, tied 7 seconds left Brian Russell guarding MJ. said He uh, he said he had talked smack to, to MJ one time as a rookie, and Michael had him circled, and he ends up hitting the game winner. So the Bulls go up 2-0. Jazz win Game 3. Bulls uh, in Game 4. Bulls are up 1 with a minute left. You get a great pass by Stockton to get up by 1. Jazz tie it up 2-2. Before Game 5, remember the flu game? Michael's hungry at 10, around 10 o'clock at night. There's nothing but pizza open. So he gets delivered to the hotel. A bunch of guys show up at the delivery. At 2.30 a.m. he's puking. He's in bed all day. He's got the IV going before the game. And then after that slow start, he gets going. Game's tied at 85 with 40 seconds left. He misses a free throw, but he gets the rebound. It's the Bulls' ball. Then he hits a three with 25 seconds left. The Bulls win. They go up three games to two. Then we start to get a little bit about Steve Kerr. Just kind of cool. Um, we hear about how he would look and understand his role. He kind of would model himself after John Paxson. He wanted to be that super role player. And we get story on Kerr and his family, you know, playing basketball in the driveway. Steve's dad was a professor at UCLA, and that's kind of what being around UCLA, of course, with their basketball tradition, really got Steve um, into basketball. And Steve ended up getting a late scholarship to Arizona. His dad became the president of the American University of Beirut. His family joined him there. And um, in a really sad story, his dad gets uh, ends up getting shot. And he talks a little bit about that. So we now get Kerr's moment. It's Game Six. He'd been struggling. They're up three with two minutes left. The Jazz hit a three to, tw- to tie it with twenty eight seconds left. Kerr hits a shot to go up two, and the Bulls win. This is his big moment. He actually has a funny speech uh, at the rally, um, uh, the the celebration um, championship rally. And he talks about how uh, they're in the huddle, and and Michael says he couldn't handle the moment, and Phil says, you know what? Let's uh, let's send one to Steve. And it's really genuine, heartfelt stuff to see. You know the role players, the ones who got beat up at practice all the time with Michael, that were there through the battles get their moments. And that's what I re- one of the things I also really liked about this all the way through. You know, you get the the little look at you know anytime somebody stepped up and hit a big shot, and uh, and this time it's Kerr. Now we're back to the '98 Eastern Conference Finals against the Pacers, and it's the era on the line. It is Game Seven. MJ guaranteed the Game Seven win. We get a a look into MJ's security guys His crew that he loved It was like a group of older guys That he kept around him uh, I think a little bit to keep him in line He um, was kind of missing the father figure After his dad had passed away Uh, One of those guys is Gus that we talk about Who really protected Michael He was the head of his security And Michael was very influential In helping Gus uh, when he was sick He was around him a lot He actually helped him His wife... uh, Gus's wife said that because of Michael He actually ended up going and getting uh, And checked and finding out that he had cancer Because he could tell that something was wrong So it's game 7 Pacers are up 12 early And they're tied at 28 Midway through the 2 Back and forth game Tied at 69 early in the 4th quarter Pacers up 2 with 7 minutes left Pacers up 3 with 6.39 left And this is where they said they started to feel like they they got a little confidence. They thought they were going to win this thing. They thought the Bulls were done. There's a jump ball, and Kerr ends up hitting a three. And then the crowd really gets into it. Instead of being tense, you know, if you've you've seen these Game 7s a lot of times, the crowds are, are tense, especially at home. They don't know which way to go. And then once you start to get later in the game, I think that you kind of get... Lost in the game, and you kind of forget that. Oh my! The the magnitude of the game seven, and it felt like this is what happened. This might have been one of those moments that shifted, and instead of being really tense and kind of um, nervous crowd, they really started to get into it. And that's one thing that the uh, the Pacers players were saying they could feel it. And the Bulls end up winning, and they're off to the ninety eight finals against Ust- against Utah, a Utah Jazz team that is rested. They have home court. The Bulls are coming off a Game 7 This is the end of their three-peat All the emotional weight of the last dance, the final season The Jazz want their revenge because they got beat by this Bulls team in 97 And the Jazz beat the Bulls both times in the regular season In that 97-98 year So it's Game 1, the Bulls are down 2 with 23 seconds left Longley ties it, they go to overtime But the Jazz win Game 1 in overtime so the Bulls are drained, they're exhausted They end up winning game 2 by 5 I mean this is a good Utah team That rolled through the playoffs this year They swept the Lakers with Shaq Somebody mentions that to MJ He doesn't care, he downplays Shaq The Bulls win game 3 They beat the Jazz 96-54 to A massive, massive beatdown And then the next day Where's Dennis Rodman? Nobody knows You know where he is WCW Nitro He's in the NWO With Hulk Hogan I remember when Rod Zilla used to show up on my TV All the time He's using a chair against Diamond Dallas Page He's dropping elbows in the ring But he He shows back up And uh, the Bulls win game 4 Now they're up 3 games to 1 Jazz win Game Five in Chicago. It's three to two, and they go back to Utah for the final two games. Pippen has his back stiffness; he's immediately hurting. He goes to the locker room early, and and so now you know there's some things throughout the series that don't make Pippen look all that great. You got the what you got the migraine, the game he sat out late, the game he wouldn't go in. Now this back injury, but. He continues to try to play through it. The Jazz are up four at the half in game uh, game six. And Pippen comes back for the second half. Rodman and Malone get into it early in the second half. And, and they're basically just using Pippen as a decoy. I mean, he can't move. MJ's exhausted. He's short on a ton of his jumpers. Pippen keeps coming in for a few minutes And then he'll go stretch and he'll be on the the bike And he's working with massage therapists And then he'll come back in the game like 5 minute spurts And somehow He's able to make some big plays Down the stretch The Bulls are up by 1 with 6 minutes and 40 seconds left The Jazz all of a sudden Are back up by 3 Pippen hits a little turnaround The Bulls are down by 1 with 4 minutes and 50 seconds Left in this game 6 and then the Bulls are down 3 with 41 seconds left And Bob Costas calls what happens next One of the greatest sequences you'll ever see in any sport Costas is someone who's called every major sporting event This is not hyperbole So you get a Michael Jordan layup All of a sudden the Bulls are down by 1 with 30 second, 37 seconds left Michael strips the ball and steals it And then he has the little crossover push-off. He hits that jumper at the top of the key, the little push-off where he pushes from behind. 5.2 seconds left. Bulls up one. The Jazz call a timeout. Stockton misses. Bulls went in six for their second Pete. in the after-party. It's Leo! Leonardo DiCaprio's hanging out with him afterwards. And the media keep asking about next year. Of course, they're not worried about it. They're not going to talk about it because I think most of them all know they were done There was no chance Of this this coming back again They had been talking about the last dance all year I mean maybe you figured If they did really win how could you break them up And not give them another shot That's exactly what happened So Carl Malone They actually show the footage He comes onto the team bus to congratulate them We get a Carmen Electra party in MJ's playing the piano and then at the Bulls rally, Phil gives credit to Jerry Krause In kind of like a backhanded way And um, in current times, Pippen calls Krause the best GM He He's one of the more troubled um, figures in this Because he, and, and you know when we talked with Mike Joyce about it too He, I think, deserves all of the credit Yet at the same time all of the blame He put it all together but he still was the reason why this couldn't. They couldn't take another shot at this. And who knows? Like, there's a really good art, uh, article in the Ringer that I was just reading that talked about how um, a lot of the players moving forward weren't very good, and then was, what a disaster the Bulls um, were themselves the next year when they when they tried to rebuild one of the all-time worst, like inept offenses. But he. He did put this team together And make some really good moves A couple real key moves In order to get the guys around Michael That he needed to succeed Um, Ryan's, uh, you know Actually before that we see David Stern Talking about the NBA growth through MJ Obama talks about Michael's impact You know As even more than on the basketball court And then Reinsdorf um, asks Phil to come back But Phil says he wants to leave He didn't want to coach a rebuild He didn't think it was fair to Kraus Who wanted to go in that direction The Bulls weren't going to be able to bring everyone back On their higher market value But MJ He he talks about this really for one of the first times And he was kind of pissed He wanted to come back again He said they would would have all come back on one year deals Trying to win a 7th he said he can. St- he still can't accept Not being able to try for seven And then there's a, a, a st- uh, Steve Kerr tells a little story About how after the win Everybody was asked to write something down About what the season meant to them And um, Michael wrote a poem And everyone had something emotional to say They ended up burning everything And um, they got to see a side of Michael They hadn't really seen And I mean that's it MJ retires Pippen, Rodman, Kerr, Phil, all gone. Bulls are a completely different team next year with a bunch of names of guys that, that you have never heard of. It, but this was this was great because Michael is not someone who we get to hear this side of from a lot. So whether some of the stories were BS and maybe some that made him look better or that were you know, um, tilted against people that he didn't necessarily like as much, this was this was fun. Um, I really enjoyed this, and uh, if you didn't get the chance to watch, you can go do so. You know, on ESPN, watch ESPN. They have all the the series, um, the ten part series, and um, look forward to the next really good sports documentary type thing that comes out that we can uh, discuss with you here on That's What G Said. Let's move from basketball into football. Let's go to part two. Of our NFL team by team schedule breakdown With Eric We're going to go from Denver Through Miami team by team schedules Over under total Some fantasy discussion Listen in NFL fans You're going to really enjoy this one On Dallas this year As we move to Denver This is a team a lot of people are high on Their over under is 7.5 They lost a lot of really close games last year they have a ton more weapons and it seems like they're going to go kind of all in and give uh you know the young quarterback an opportunity here to take the ball and run with it they kick things off with some some definitely question mark games Right I mean home against the Titans That's an either or game for sure They play the Steelers on the road who I don't think I'm quite as high on as other teams The Steelers aren't bad but you don't know what you're going to be Getting there with Ben early in the season Then they come home and play the Bucks. I think that's a great Spot um, to, to probably Play Denver and then you get you know At the Jets and at the Patriots but Those aren't monsters I don't know About the Patriots this year we're going to talk about them In a minute um they come home against the Dolphins like there are winnable games Here um and then the second half You know you see the Raiders a couple times you see The Chargers a couple times you have the the Panthers on there um obviously the Two Chiefs games are going to be tough for them Where do you stand with this Denver team
1: I love this Denver team like I I played them plus 140 To make the playoffs 10 to 1 to win The West and I actually I figure if they Win the West um Vic Bangio is going to win coach of the year. So I saw him at 28 to one to be coach of the year. So I put a small play on that. Um, they start off on Monday night football with the Titans. I think the Titans are the most overvalued team in the league right here, mm-hmm. right now. Um, that line's at two. I'll definitely be invested in that. Um, that Steelers game, like you're right. I don't know how, what, if Big Ben's going to be in shape or not. Like how long, if there's no training camp, is it going to take for him to get going? So that, that could go either way. Brady has been historically average in my high. He hasn't really been that good. So that's definitely a spot where I'm going to look to take the Broncos, but then they have to travel from the West coast to play the jets on a short week in the yep. East coast. So, I mean, that's definitely a play for the jets as much as I hate the jets and Sam Darnold. I'm definitely going to, unfortunately have to bet them there. Um, and then even the dolphins, when the dolphins come there, on week six because they have the chiefs week the next, seven before the yep. bye and they're so the looking chiefs ahead in like 2015 i mean if they're like hypothetically if they are like i don't know like five and one going in that dolphins game four and two something like that i'll definitely have a play on the dolphins just the, but i mean if they're like one and four or whatever like it doesn't, four, it that doesn't be, serve I, the I, same it, yeah, yeah. And then right after the bye, I mean, those are two tough games on the road at the Falcons and at at Vegas. Then then the Chargers are going to be tough. Saints, but at least with the Saints, it's at home. Yep. So Breeze outdoors. And then Sunday night football. And then at least to end, they have two out of three at home, which helps them a lot. And they have the Panthers on the road, which I think they should be able to win there. I think their schedule lines up where they get a couple teams in some good situations, where they're going to be in a good position. And they have Pat Shermer, who's going to put every, Drew Locke in a situation to succeed. I mean, they're putting all the weapons around him. Their offensive line improved. They got a speed slot receiver, possession wide receiver in Judy, two tight ends that are fast that can beat linebackers and a bell call back in Gordon, and a change in pace back in uh, Philip Lindsay. I mean, they're putting Locke in a position to win, so it's all on him. If he can come in and just improve they're for sure a playoff team
0: I think they're a nine to 10 win team yeah I do I think when I I, I look at them and I think they, they have a good opportunity to, to get into the playoffs and uh, and have an opportunity to uh, to battle for the division as we move on to your team the Detroit Lions they're over under is six and a half here and I think very similar to what we said with the with the Bears man this this week one game is is gonna it feels like it's gonna really set the tone for their season because their weeks one through four are not are not easy, but there are spots throughout the rec- the rest of the season where you look and you see some super winnable stretches you know Redskins at Panthers, home against the Texans you, you could get a couple wins right there. you go at the Jags and at the Falcons and then you have the Colts, but you have the Colts at home. those are three games where you wouldn't be surprised to see either result happen you know in those games. What do you think of this Lions team and um, and their you know their four game stretch to start and that big week one game.
1: Well, I mean, I basically figured I mean that game's a pick 'em right now, um, on all my books against the Bears. And you're right, that's gonna kinda set up set the tone for the season. But their next two games, I mean, they got they're at Green Bay. They always play Green Bay tough. And I mean, I know I know that's Green Bay's home opener, but that's a game where Green Bay has sandwiched in between at Minnesota and at New Orleans. So that's kind of a good spot to play the, for the Lions when they're playing Green Bay, and then they have a revenge factor against the Cardinals, the Cardinals after they blew that. I mean, I think they could be three and one or four and oh. Maybe I'm just being optimist, optimistic going into that week five bye, which is insanely early. But on the flip side, it wouldn't surprise me if they're 0 and 4 if they lose the Bears game. So, I mean, yeah. it just all hinges on that Bears game.
0: You get a little confidence with that win at home And then you're up for the Packers game to try to steal That one, and then you mentioned you got the built-in Revenge factor, and then all of a sudden you're riding High, you come back, you play a Saints team at home Where you've got your bye that you're looking at So like, I'm with you Like, this is a hard, a, a difficult team Like, I think I would, I think I'd still lean over in their total On the, on the win total on the season At six and a half, because I think the Vikings Are going to be okay, but they're not going to be Like, they could lose All six division games or they could go four and two in the division very easily. I don't think yeah. anybody in their division is like is so good that they can't beat them or even beat them twice. But but they're not. None of the teams are gimmies. So it just what's going to happen with them in those in those like crucial divisional games? Because the Packers they'll probably not be quite as good as they were last year, but they'll still be a good team. The Bears will be competitive, and then you got the you know, the Vikings. You know they're going to be you know solid, but none of those teams feel like they're going to be any of the best teams in the league. So. It's not a bad division. It's a competitive division, but not nobody really scares the hell out of you.
1: At, exactly. I mean, I played them at plus 275 to make the playoffs and plus 705 to win it just because every other team has so many questions. The Bears have offensive line questions. The quarterback questions. The Vikings with Zimmer, it's every other year. He has O-line issues. They lost their whole secondary, and they lost their one of their pass rushers. So, I mean, there's so many questions, and you're getting value. When Stafford played, the offense looked good. And this is going to be the second year, and I just think there's just value there. And I mean, three out of the four games to end the season are at home. They have Green Bay week fourteen, and who knows if stuff hits the fan in Green Bay, that could be Jordan Love time. And, and then,
0: go ahead. Go ahead yeah. I'm sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: And then they're at at the Titans. They have Brady coming in, and then they have Minnesota in week seventeen. I mean, their schedule at from week ten to from week ten to finish is. Is Doable I mean if they can just survive The first four and go like three And one or two and two they're in a great Position to to make the playoffs
0: They have only three road games in that stretch They're at the Panthers at the Bears and at The Titans you know yeah the, the Bears Is probably the scariest one of those three but It's not again they have a with, What's difficult about their schedule I Think is that you know you have the Jags on there and maybe the Redskins And maybe the Panthers that you circle as wins The rest of their games aren't Necessarily Going to be easy but you don't Have ravens you Don't have chiefs you know you don't Have some of those teams that you automatically Look at or like saints on the road And say that's an L
1: and No west coast trip i mean they're Pretty much in the in the Eastern or central time zone so i mean They're not traveling that much i mean Like if they can make make it To week 10 and be Competitive i mean i i Think they can
0: make a run we Get to uh one of their uh Divisional rivals in the green bay packers their over under is nine and they've got a you know big divisional games for uh for everyone in this division right off the bat where they start the season at the vikings and then they play the lions right uh, come home and play the lions and that's the game that's a trap game as you mentioned because they go at vikings they come home against the lions and they go at the saints in their first three weeks so they're going to be looking at that saints game on the road which is uh what is that the Sunday night football game They're going to be looking at the uh, at Vikings game To start the season and they might look at the Lions Game coming home and think that that's going to be Kind of a walkover, an easy game That's a game where I probably play the Lions um, uh, You know Playing at Green Bay they, Later in their season they've got uh, You know a, a trip where they have to go to Tampa and then they have to play the Texans next week So they play the Bucks and the Texans on the road back to back And that's a, a missed A pretty tough stretch of four Where they have you know, at Tampa, at Texans, home for the Vikings, and then at the 49ers. So that's not an easy little stretch there coming off their bye.
1: I mean, I look at this and they play Minnesota in twice in the first eight weeks. I mean, if they lose both of those games, they're out of it. They're done. I mean, they could legitimately be out of contention by week eight, and then they go to play San Francisco, travel out west in a short week. I mean, this is just a brutal part and i mean i know i'm gonna be on the falcons because there's the back-to-back primetime game so week four i got circled week two i got circled i mean i even have week 10 circled because that's in between the the 49ers and And the colts Colts, which looks like an l on
0: paper i like the colts a lot this year yeah
1: i mean like their schedule they didn't get any favors and then once stuff starts hitting the fan there if it does I mean, everyone's going to, oh, when is Love going to play? There's probably going to be dissension. I mean, there's just so many questions with them. The only future I did play with them is I found Devontae Adams um, plus 1,600 to lead the league in receiving yards. The Packers have 132 abandoned targets, and Rodgers only throws to people he trusts, and who else is there? So I just think he's going to be peppering. Force
0: feeding it, yep.
1: I mean, I actually ranked him number one in my rankings for fantasy uh, wide receivers this year just because I figure he's just going to get pumped with pumped with targets. And then it wouldn't surprise me this year if they're like 5 and 10 going into that Week 17 game and Jordan Love plays.
0: I, I think I'm going under with them. Um, I was a lot higher on them last year. Their schedule just was much better last year. It, it felt like when you looked at it on paper, it did them a lot more favors than than this year. Um, as we move, I mean they as could you, be 0-4 yeah. They could be 0-4 at their bye I don't, And I don't have
1: I, to travel to Tampa
0: Bay And I just don't love the whole Like vibe of the team With their draft where it felt like they swing and missed Last year was the year where they did a whole lot Of stuff on the offseason they really improved their defense Which you know I understand You do a whole lot last year you don't have to do as much This year but it felt like they did absolutely Nothing Um, which Never is, is what you want to do you always want to be Feeling like you're at least making some moves and improving A little bit and uh, then
1: even that week seven spot, because they, they're they going to be at the Texans in between the Bucks and the Vikings and the 49ers right after that, the Vikings. I that's mean, a, that's a perfect spot to play the Texans in that spot.
0: Not an easy stretch there coming right off the bye for uh, the Green Bay Packers. I'm under the nine on them as we move to the Houston Texans. They're going to kick off the NFL season. They're going to be the first game of the year. They're going to play on the road against the Chiefs. Um, rematch of that playoff game last year They're over under for uh, season win totals Is uh, eight And uh, I mean they've got A really difficult four Games to start the season I mean You're talking about a team that could very easily Be oh and four but there Are some spots that you might play them you know They might not be a bad play in week two When they come home against the Ravens um, at, at, With like you mentioned With the 10 days off in between after Opening the season on, uh, on Thursday But then they got to go at Pittsburgh Then they come home and they play the Vikings. Then after that, they get the Jags at home, which is a very winnable game. But then they have two games that are definite either or games. I mean, you go at the Titans and you have the Packers coming. That game could go either way. The over under of eight feels about right. You know, the second half after their bye, they've got, you know, a game where they got to go on the road and play the Browns. They got two, you know, their two games against the Colts there. I'm kind of indifferent on them. I don't love them. I just don't think the division is very strong. So they, you know, I'm kind of. I still think they're probably the second best team in their division, so they could maybe stack up three or four other wins against, but I like the Colts more than I like the Texans this year
1: i mean i I think their ceiling for wins is eight if they can somehow be one in three after the first four games, I would consider that a victory, yeah, but it wouldn't surprise me if they were one in seven or two in six um oh sorry, one in sorry. six one or, one in yeah, six one maybe six two in five seven. or yeah. yeah. Going like into the that. bye. My fault. And then no, no but then they have the two two road games and traveling on the road is never easy, especially like Jacksonville knows that offense. So I mean that's gonna be a tough It's game. a divisional game. It's yeah. a
0: divisional game too, you know?
1: And then right after the bye they have three out of four on the road, and the game against Detroit, that's a thing that's the Thanksgiving Day game. So the Lions are always up for that. Then they play the Colts, at Bears, at Colts, Bengals and Titans. I mean, there's just never like a stretch of a couple weeks when they can kind of like, you know what I mean? There's with every team, there's usually like a two or three week stretch where you can kind of take a deep breath. I kind of feel with the Texans, you don't get that at all. You maybe get a game, you get a game, like game five against the Jags. You get that breather then, but then boom, you're on the road at Tennessee. I mean, there's, They just never really have that break. You know what I mean? And and then that stretch where it's Colts at Bears at Colts, I'm definitely going to be on the Bears on week 14, and I'm going to be on the Bengals on week 16. When they come home
0: after those two road games. Yeah, yeah,
1: because it's sandwiched in between the Titans, and if this division is tight like everyone says it could be, I mean, that could be a look-ahead spot. Or, I mean, Bill O'Brien could be done, and they're playing for next year. So, I mean, I don't know. I I don't think O'Brien makes it out of the season, to be
0: honest. I'm with you. I don't think... I would go under even their eight. Uh, to me, that feels like the, the kind of like their ceiling. I, I just don't see them as a team that can get the ten wins with the schedule. So that, to me, they're probably like a six seven win team this year. Um, we get to the Colts. they're over under is nine, and I mean I, I like the Colts a lot. I think they got a great start to the season. They got to go on the road and play Jacksonville. Yes, it's a divisional game, but you know not a tough game on the road. You come home and you play the Vikings and the Jets. Those are super winnable games. Before you have two road games where you go play the Bears and the Browns. But again, like they could very easily be, you know, six or seven and oh, that, that would not shock me at all. Those, there's a couple tough road games in there um, where, you know, the Bears, the Browns, they could lose. They could, you know, the Vikings at home. That's not, you know, a game that's necessarily just a over but they do not have the most difficult start to the season here.
1: Oh no, I love this team too. Like right after they traded for Buckner, I actually got them at over eight and a half. Nice and twenty six to one to win it all. I mean, I think what they're doing with the defensive end is great. They have a great start to the season where they are where they do get Jacksonville at home, and then they get the Vikings, which is going to be tough, but it's at home, Jets at home, then the two games on the road, and then the Bengals. I mean, they could easily sweep that. They could be six and oh or yep. five and one before the bottom. Yeah. I mean, but definitely that Week Eight game coming off the bye, going to Detroit right before they play the Ravens. That's going to be a bet against spot for them. I'm definitely going to be on the Lions there, just because. Especially the if Ravens they're
0: five and one or six and zero, oh, like we said, that then that's definitely a big play against spot for them because they're going to be kind of flying high. They're coming off their bye. They got the Ravens the next week at home, and they got it like a stretch of like Ravens, Titans, Packers, Titans, Texans, which are kind of tough teams, playoff teams from last year. So that Lions game could absolutely be a game that they're looking at saying, you know, this, you know, kind of uh, a, a gimme game or a game that they're not really focusing in on looking ahead.
1: I mean, because they do that. And then I feel the Ravens game. I feel that's a preview of the AFC championship. Um, and then they have to travel to Tennessee on the short week. So, I mean, that three game stretch, even with the Packers four game, like that's tough. And then they get the two back to back games on the road and going back to back on the road is always tough in the NFL at Texans and at Vegas and then Texans at Steelers but at least they end with the Jaguars. I mean, they could start out 6 and 0 but then they have to make sure they come out on point on week 8. But I really like this team. They kept the O-line intact. I love the fact how they drafted Taylor. I think he's going to be the bell callback back by the time the season's over max obviously on his way out Hines, who's established third down back because rivers likes to check down hilton's gonna move in and play the slot now
0: in now yep
1: i mean they definitely i'm super duper super high on this team i mean Me too i think i think they, they're gonna do really well
0: i do too they're an over i'll play there'll be a team that i'll be watching week to week there's gonna be the best offensive line philip rivers has ever played behind so if he can just you know be smart with his decision making not turn The ball over a lot this team is going to be Really really good in a division it's not Going to be really really good on paper or that It feels like when we've talked over the last You know month or so a few different times that We're both not really high on the rest of The teams in their division which it, which is a lot Of what it is in football too right as much as it is Liking one team it's about kind of Not liking the others You know or disliking the other spots as Much uh, as we get to the team a team like The Jags who I like what the Jags have been doing Building their team I think they're trying to build a team like they used to With a lot of the young, really good, talented defensive weapons But they feel like on paper They're definitely a team that is going to be One of the worst teams in the league this year And they're going to start out with the Colts at home And then they go on the road and play the Titans But they do have you know, some winnable games They get the Dolphins at home They travel to the Bengals um, They get a Lions team at home Which we don't know what, what we're going to get out of the Lions yet um, So there, there are a few But I, I don't even know if I can get to 5 with them
1: I mean, I have their ceiling at 4 But I'll be yeah. honest, it wouldn't, surprise, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me If they go 0-16 I, mean, I, could, I can't
0: get to 5 with them No, I can't no.
1: I mean, because the two divisional games to start off Starting off two divisional games is always rough they do get a break with Miami traveling in for the Thursday night game. Well, Miami's event.
0: not Miami that peep from last year. They're not awful, and if that's FitzPatrick early in the season, then that's more competitive probably than even if it is Tua.
1: But it's just statistically the home team has the advantage though, and that's kind absolutely. of how I'm looking at it. Absolutely. Sure, sure, absolutely. So, I mean, absolutely.
0: absolutely. And in the Lions game 2, you know, and, and, the, and, the too, you know, and yeah. but they're they're unfortunately they're going to be bad. Um, Minshew Mania, man, he's going to need to really carry this squad to a couple wins this year. If I'm just they're gonna... not
1: high on that kid either. You know he, what I mean? He I feels just to
0: me like a good backup, backup. quarterback. Yeah. Like a good guy who – he's great if somebody gets hurt and you need him to come in for a game and maybe win you a game. But I he's don't – I don't think he He, can build. You know, you can build a team around him, and or he's like a maybe a franchise quarterback starter, like like a
1: Cole McCoy, like he's reliable. He can come in, play a couple of games, serviceable, but you don't want him to roll him out, like
0: especially in this situation. Like if you put him in a situation where everything else around you was really strong, and he just had to maybe make some plays, and, and and then then he'd be okay. But if you if you're he's in a situation where he's gonna have to really make plays for you. Um, I think you're going to be in, in a little bit of trouble uh, as we get to the Chiefs, man. Another team with the, as you would expect, the really high over under total, eleven and a half, coming off their Super Bowl win. They kick things off with the Chargers right away. What I like about their schedule is they've got some fun games on paper, right? Especially the the, the matchups with Mahomes. You get a Mahomes Watson, you get Mahomes versus Lamar, you get uh, Mahomes versus Brady in Week 12. You get Mahomes versus Breeze in Week 15. So. You, you do get some marquee games with them um, They I mean I don't think they have the most difficult schedule In the world I don't think they have the easiest schedule In the world it feels just kind of like a, um, th- To me they feel probably a Like I don't I wouldn't bet a team That's a, a, a 11 and a half probably Ever because that's just such a high number In the NFL but they're probably 11 win Team or so
1: I got I took the Under 11 and a half at plus point. yeah I just feel yeah. The Broncos it's are just a
0: number to take Yeah
1: the chart I like the Chargers Defense and they're coming off that Super Bowl. So there's naturally that Super Bowl back down. No and I mean, if you look at their schedule, I mean, they have the Texans at home on Thursday night football. That line's at ten. I mean, I'm tempted to lock it in at ten right now because I think it's going to drop a little bit. And then they travel to LA where the Chargers open up that new stadium. And then they travel to the Ravens. So I mean they could legitimately they could be one and two after yep. the they first could. three
0: weeks. And then we don't know what Patriots team we're going to get. You know I don't think the Patriots are going to be as good but we we don't Know so we we can't look right now and say That's an immediate win when they come home and have the Patriots And then the Raiders and then they got to go travel And play two really tough defenses They got to go at the Bills and then at the Broncos Like those are not going to be easy Road games either one of them
1: And the Bills game is a Thursday night game so you're going to Play the Raiders late And then you're going to have to travel I mean that's a Short week that's a perfect situation I have The Bills circled to play Yeah, That's one of my games I have circled and then I'm definitely going to play the Chargers. I'm definitely going to play the Texans. And then after the Bills game, they'll have 10 days to prepare for that Broncos game, which in week seven, I'm totally pumped for. And then they have the Jets and Panthers, which are like the two games are winnable. And then they have the buy them. But then right after the buy at Vegas for the Sunday night game, Bucks at home, Sunday night game at, at Denver. That's a tough three little game stretch. And then if you look at weeks 15 and 16, The Falcons offense is going to be able to keep them in games in week 16 and going to the Saints is going to be tough. And even week 14, that's a December game and you're a cold weather team going to a hot Miami. That's going to be a tough one. I mean, I could it wouldn't surprise me if I actually bet the Dolphins week 14 and the Saints week 15 just because cold weather teams going to a warm environment. That's always tough in December. And plus it's between the Broncos and Saints.
0: You're coming off the Super Bowl, so everyone's yeah. gonna want to bet you chalk wise. So yeah, for me, I'd be under their their total. I think they're still be a good team, but they're that's just too high to play in, in in a schedule that looks like they have lots of spots where they could have a hiccup. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the the Raiders, the Vegas Raiders. Their over under is seven and a half. Man, great start to the season for them last year, and then they faltered late. Not sure if I love what they did uh, with some of their moves in the off season, as far as the uh, the draft. But they do have a winnable game to start They go on the road, they play the Panthers And then they come home for a huge Vegas opener And I believe that's the Monday night game right, Where they play the Saints in week number 2 Then they travel on the road The Patriots What's difficult is that in their first 5 games before the bye They travel to Carolina And then to the Patriots And then they play Kansas City So that's not easy as far as travel In the first 5 weeks And then the 2 home games that you have Are the Saints and the Bills Those aren't really gimmies
1: I mean... I find it funny with how many primetime games they have for a team with so many questions. It's kind of yeah, like right? all the lead announcers teams wanted to go there. Vegas, and yep. <laughs> I just remember when the, I looked at the stat when the Vegas Knights opened up, they were 29, 10 and two at home in their first season. And are people going to be par- going out and partying when they get there? Cause I don't even know if stuff's going to even be open. Then like, we don't even know. Nightlife yeah. is going to home- really,
0: that's a, that's a great point with a lot of, Um, What's going to happen in this season too Right like when we And and I know you're someone who generally is doing this too Just some like big picture Thing if there aren't Crowds home field advantages Are going to be taken away massively in a lot of Situations right especially if
1: Arrowhead especially
0: if they're not In cold weather especially if like weather Isn't coming into play you know so That's it those are going to be real Situations where you will want to play the Underdogs almost blindly you know, Because yeah. no matter what, they're going to be the better play Because there's just not going to be that home field built in As much without the crowd Oh, I know And like
1: I was actually looking forward to this Vegas Stadium Because it looks unbelievable with all the videos I'm seeing on Twitter um, Week 1, definitely play against, like I said earlier Week 2, I'm actually going to bet on them Opening up that new stadium mm-hmm. um, But then it's that East Coast, West Coast, East Coast You know, there's that back and forth stuff Which is just insanely hard and then they have the Chiefs, and then their bye comes at week six. Sunday night football with the Bucs. I mean, this is a tough little schedule just with all the zigzagging back and forth with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have uh, the back-to-back road games um, at the Falcons, at the Jets. Before that, they have the Chiefs Sunday night game. I mean, they're scheduled to end the season, weeks 11 through 15, that's a tough little jaunt. Because they have Sunday night football, two road games, Colts at home, Chargers on Thursday night football. And then they finish the season with the Finns and um, Broncos at home. I just – I don't know. I'm just not in on this team just because I feel no. they have so many questions. Me too. And, like, also –
0: The quarterback, they what's gonna five. Yep. Five
1: going to happen? They're going five. Mariota coming it, in. Is it Mariota time? You know, I, yeah. I just don't – they just have so many questions. I mean, they only have 66 targets available, and they drafted three wide receivers. You know, and they brought in – a million tight ends. Cause they have Witten. Um, they, who is a kid that's Waller. Nicholas. Yeah, no, no Waller. And who's the guy from Jacksonville? That's related to the actor. O'Shea or oh, whatever. Yeah. 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 I mean, they have all those tight ends. So like, I just don't know what they're doing on offense. And then I was so pumped because Gruden said, Oh, we're going to get Jacobs. He's going to be a, the receiving back now. But then they just signed Booker from Denver to be the third down back. So it's like, I just don't know what the heck they're doing. I just don't know what the picture is in the, in Mayock's head.
0: We get to the Chargers, they're over under is 8. It looks like it's going to be Tyrod Taylor probably starting the season for them and then we'll see when a uh, when or if um Herbert ends up coming in and uh, and uh, taking the the reins there. But they open up um on the road against the Bengals and but as you mentioned, this is a a 405 game, so this isn't an early game. It, you don't really get as much of that time um issue when they travel then they come home and they play the chiefs and the panthers if i mean they should be 2 and 1 through 3 before they have to go travel for their tough road games at tampa and at the saints and then you come home and you've, you you play the jets among a stretch of four super winnable games they're they could be 6 and 3 by the bye week through through 9
1: i mean for me it's just weeks 1 through 5 that's the tell for me for how yep. good they're actually going to be I like their defense. I mean, I think their defense is good enough to keep them in games. I just got to see their offense because they want. They said they're going to run this version of the Ravens offense with Tyrod. I just got to visually see how that's going to look. Mm-hmm. But that week three spot with the Panthers at home, sandwiched in between KC and the Bucs, that spot's definitely circled for me. But, I mean, you're totally right. They could easily be six and three going into that bye. But after that bye, they have two tough road games at Broncos,
0: at Bills. And with the Chiefs, yeah, on the road at the Chiefs too. So you know you got those tough games coming. It's like they have to get to six and three. I mean, with with, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean they they could just be done, but I mean they just got. I just question like, is Tyrod really that guy? And if they if they're two and seven, do you
0: make the change already?
1: Fans pressure Herbert, and I'm not a Herbert guy.
0: Neither at all. I did not like him at all. I've never been high on him. He just feels like a guy. I would not have picked him with with such a high pick. He he feels like someone that you could have like you you could have gotten that that type in the second third round. You know, I just don't. To me, that was a waste of a pick.
1: He, I mean, I he kind of reminds me of Mitch Trubisky, to be honest with you. Like a physical Mitch Trubisky. You know what I mean? Like some guy that just can't make the throws. And just kind of relies
0: on his feet a little bit Too much misses some easy throws He just doesn't seem like he has it whatever the It is like he he checks a lot of Boxes on paper right he looks sexy He's big he's got the big arm like You see that he's not slow he can move around A little bit he does kind of remind me of Josh Allen too um, in in That like he just He's got a lot of what you want but I Don't know if he's going to be like the right guy to make The right decisions at the right time to lead your Franchise he
1: and the thing with Him is like if he's such a Big arm quarterback why did Oregon Lead the nation in screen passes last year at 21% Like that stat just blows my mind Like if he's like this big strong arm Quarterback why is he just throwing screens Why do not they just open up the playbook That's that's something that's a big red flag To me
0: we get to another uh, Pac 12 quarterback uh, on the Rams the Rams they're over under his Eight and a half and um, I'm a Rams fan But I, I don't like the schedule And I- I'm a little bit down on the team This year overall I think there are going to be some spots To play them but you know the Cowboys game right wait week one at home That's not an easy game then you got Two tough road games where you got to go play the Eagles And the Bills you got it kind of a weird Game um, with the Giants When you come home because then you got two more road games After that and and a big one With the 49ers and then later on After the bye you've got another 49ers game You got your two games with the Seahawks there To look at The, the, the early part of their schedule Is going to really tell the tale for them too Because In the late half, they've got some winnable games in there with the Patriots and Jets at home. they got a home game with the Cardinals there, the at-bucks game. Maybe they can go back and forth and up and down with them. I just don't know if this team is really that good. I mean,
1: the one future I played with them is Akers 16-1 to win rookie of the year. You're not going to draft the guy in the second round unless he's going to be your featured back. And in that McVeigh zone running scheme, I think he's going to thrive. So, and even if the Rams have offensive line issues, I mean, he his O line was bad at Florida State and he was still putting up numbers. I love the Rams in week one. They're getting two and a half points with the Cowboys opening up that new stadium. Yeah, it
0: is a game I like too.
1: Totally gonna be on that. But then the back to back road games on the East Coast is brutal. And then you come back for one game, and then you have to go back to the East to Coast Washington to Washington again. Yeah. yeah. And then you go and then you go um San at Francisco. 49ers. I mean that week five spot, I'm gonna probably be on the Redskins. I'm gonna probably be on the Bears because I always do that back to back prime. The in between and
0: they got three and four road games there and that's the only one at home. Yeah.
1: And I mean but I mean like if they get to week ten, I mean, and they're somewhat like four and three, like they could sneak around because their schedule they don't have as much traveling the second half of the schedule. That's they'll be more the West Coast. So I mean if they can kind of BS their way. To like a five and three, even four and four at week nine, I would you, feel pretty good about them. About because there's an extra wild card spot we have to, remember. yeah. You can they split can maybe with the
0: Seahawks, that. and and then you can split with the Cardinals in the second half if you could, you could beat the Patriots and Jets. And all of a sudden, that, that second half doesn't look nearly as difficult as the first half with the question marks. But
1: I mean, have, the interesting so. thing with the week 14 one is the Patriots actually on week 13 they play the Chargers, so they don't have to travel. The Rams actually are the ones that are going to have to travel for a home Thursday night game because they play the cards, which I found kind of weird.
0: We get to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, they're over-under. They're up to six and a half. A much more talented team this year, but still feel like they're a year or two away. Maybe a team to play in some spots. They, they start on the road at the Patriots, and they come home and play the Bills. Uh, and they go on the road and play the Jags, which th- the problem with that, obviously, as you mentioned, like, You know the Jags aren't great but you're traveling And and Miami's not necessarily a team That we can count wins you know Count anyone as a win when we look Through their schedule and then they got a tough You know week four Five six seven Eight nine like that's not Easy you got the Seahawks at The 49ers at the Broncos you come home, but you're playing the Chargers. So, but it is early, which is nice. Then, and, and you're playing the Rams, you know, back to back, and you're playing both of them home in early games. But those are teams that are better than you. And then you got to go on the road and play the Cardinals. So, I mean, we'll we'll find out if how I guess good or bad this team is going to be this year. But but I guess divisionally, you don't have to circle the two Patriots games as automatic beatdowns anymore. And Miami has generally played the Patriots pretty well. You think the Patriots are going to be upset uh, about Miami? Uh, ruining their buy in week one. Oh my
1: God. Like (laughs) they're going to be fired up for that game. And I mean, they're definitely going to come out firing two divisional games to start. I mean, that's rough. And then the short week to traveling to Jacksonville is going to be tough. Even if you have the veteran Fitzpatrick under center, that's just going to be tough just because it takes their body like so long to recover, but at least they have 10 days to prepare for Seattle. And then that two, two game road stretch. I mean, with at San Francisco and, at Cleveland, That's a tough stretch for a team. And then the Chargers, at least you get the Chargers for, for an early game, Rams for an early game, and then the Cards and the Jets. But, I mean, if they're 2-8, and eight, I mean, I could easily see Tua coming in on Week 11. And the funny thing is, and I've never seen this before, it goes Jets by then at Jets. I mean, that's kind of a weird yeah, part right, of the schedule weird. for me. And then they finish off with two games on the road. I mean, this is kind of a tough... This is a tough schedule for the Dolphins. And the thing about the Dolphins is people talk about their secondary improving. with how the NFL is. You can only guard someone in pass coverage for a little bit. If you have no one that can cover, excuse me, that can rush the quarterback, you're dead. And they don't have any pass rushers. So I really think that's going to be their big thing that hurts them. They did improve the secondary. Um, um, week five, I'm definitely all in on Matt Rita for his revenge spot because um, they travel to San Francisco. And I think Brita, because I think they're going to be down in a lot of games, is going to have a lot of fantasy value in PPR formats. But I just have a lot of questions for this Dolphins team. I mean, I like some of the stuff they did in the draft. I mean, I'm not a Tua guy either, so I just – I don't know. I mean, I'm not as high in them. I saw Nick Wright had them at 9-7. and seven. I just don't – I don't see them winning over six games.
0: Neither. Um, I think they're more talented. I actually like their coaching staff too. Um, I just it's, – it's hard to get their – um when, when you when you look through their their schedule over did under you a,
1: see their press conference when they introduced to it it was like the weirdest thing in the world too no no i didn't it was like really weird like normally like when you have this
0: like franchise QB, you first want to round be excited
1: pick. but like they were totally downplaying him and like oh you know it just came down and then at the end we just decided to go with him instead of whoever. it was like the weirdest thing in the world it was the weirdest press conference i've seen in a while and i wouldn't be surprised if it comes out with like the owner like told them to draft Tua,
0: that they I mean, weren't as just, high on him and that there were some birdies real, or
1: it was a real weird press conference
0: for was, yeah not, not a great way to inspire faith in your new rookie you know what yeah. i mean like by, uh, but not acting like you're not that high on him <sighs> Just wanted to remind you about one of the sponsors of That's What G Said Podcast, Sarah Candle Company. Visit Candles.com, C-E-R-A-Candles.com Use the promo code G-I-N-O For 10% off of your entire Purchase. These are all natural soy Wax candle. they, candles. They burn Longer. They are better for you Than the candles out there that have that traditional paraffin Wax. I know the people From this company personally. I've grown up with Them my whole life. They love candles And the goal was to, to have an Affordable candle that everyone can Enjoy, use that promo code G-I-N-O, my favorite is Fresh Roses, the Fresh Roses Scent is awesome, if you're a horse racing Fan, they got Del Mar in there, you ever want to know What Del Mar smells like, but you couldn't make it out there Order your candle right now, from Sarah Candle Company, the website C-E-R-A Candles.com. Dot com, SarahCandles.com, promo code G-I-N-O, for 10% off your purchase Get your past performances Out horse racing fans, we're going to turn to May the 21st, Thursday And we're going to go to three different racetracks It's going to be Gulfstream, it's going to be Churchill Downs And then it's going to be Golden Gate So let's begin over at Gulfstream Get your past performances out We have your three best plays For Gulfstream Park on Thursday And we kick things off in race number one With the number five, Act Like Artie This is a three-year-old filly She's raced three times so far And she really hasn't been bad in any of them In particular, the the two races I like are the last two. So let's go back to March the 8th. She's coming in, making her first start of 2020. She had a couple months off. So she's three deep. She's in between going into the first turn. And she's three wide. She's a couple lengths off. She looms up. but I think the wide trip off the bench, you know, hurts her a little bit. Then she comes back in her most recent start on April the 9th. She sits three deep into the turn. She loses a little bit of ground. But then she's able to settle inside. She's 5th. She's about 4 lengths off. She just gets caught with nowhere to go. She's waiting. She's waiting. And she's able to save all the ground. But she has to lose some momentum. And she has to lose a little bit of ground when she shuffles. She ends up working her way into a really nice spot on the rail. She just missed... I think if she wouldn't have had to kind of stop her momentum and wait a little bit and alter course and kind of work her way through a tight spot, I think she would have won that race. so uh, to me, she's gonna be really tough in here right back. I think if you get like five to two that's very fair value on on her. she could be uh, set for her absolute best, just one more little step forward. And she's going to be really, really tough. This isn't an easy race, though. You know, there are um, a couple other directions to go. That's why I like to kind of take a stand sometimes in a race like this where there may be three or four horses that take some some money. You know, Ocean Air is going to take a little bit of cash. I wouldn't be uh, totally shocked to see Windfall Profit take some money. La Babia coming off some decent races is going to get a little money, too. Come Storming is going to get a little money. So um, let's go with Act Like Artie. To kick things off at Gulfstream Park um, We'll make a win wager if we can get like 5-2 to two And maybe a, an early single To kick off your pick fives We get to race number 6 For the second play And it's going to be the number 9 Big Treasure This 3 year old He deserves another shot at this level He dropped into the Maiden 16 Level last time out Which is probably one of the, the softer spots That he's been in And he was asked early But then he was squeezed out of a spot He settled 7th, he was 5 off But he made an unnecessarily Early 4 wide move And he was just tired and all in early Now you get a big jock switch Um, I think Big Treasure makes a lot of sense In here and maybe if you're going to start A late pick 5, this would be a horse I would build some tickets around If we can get anything around 7-2 to I would be uh, ready to make a win wager On the number 9, Big Treasure In race number 6 Third and final play for the day at Gulfstream Is going to be in race Number 9 Let's go to the number 2, Mucho This was a super highly regarded uh, Horse at one time, he was actually favored You can see in the grade 1, hopeful And He he has some ability this, is, this looks to me like a really good Spot for him, he's run well at Gulfstream Park, he's coming out of a race that he, he just got the sh- uh, he got a horrible trip it, it And was, it was a little unlucky He got the shuffle from the inside He lost ground, he lost momentum He came on again, he moved in between horses He actually got up to second in the stretch before fading There's a lot of question marks in this race And I think He has a little He has some versatility We saw Churchill 2 back He can close and come from way out of it He has enough speed to kind of put his nose into it um, Wherever he need be Mucho has some ability Now I do have some concerns right I don't want to take too short of a price on him I want at least like 4 to 1 And he does tend to get played a little He's coming out of a productive race We saw Winds of Change come back to win optional 62 Killebeg's captain is a nice horse He Is facing a group That all hasn't really raced In a while right I mean the two horses to the outside have a recency edge. That's why I do think Fast Pass is worthy of including in some of your exotics a horse who likes to win, and he might be able to just kind of grind and pick it up at six and a half furlongs. Because if Mitre Trey shows some speed, you get some speed from Wentz from the inside, you'll... I'm not sure if Jaguar Paws is going to be able to have the speed to keep up with them. Who knows with Admiral Lynch, not exactly slow there. Cool Arrow's not exactly slow, so... This could end up being one of those races That these horses are a little tired late With that six and a half furlongs being the key So I hope Mucho can sit a really nice trip Maybe mid-packing here Let's use the two, let's use the seven Fast pass underneath So at Gulfstream Park for Thursday Three best plays, race number one The five, act like Artie. If we can get anything around five to two We'll play a win wager and maybe a single If you want to play some early exotics In the sixth race, the number nine, Big Treasure The value line there is about is is seven to two And in the ninth race, the number 2, Mucho Value line for that one We want to get at least 4-1 to That is Gulfstream for Thursday Let's go from Gulfstream over to Churchill Downs Churchill Downs Thursday Get your past performances out May the 21st Let's jump right into it The early pick 5 in race number 1 This is one of the 2-year-old races It's a Philly race And it's really tough to you know, single in on the Wesley Ward Phillies uh, right now because he's actually been struggling with a lot of short-priced horses over the last you know month or so since we started to see these two-year-old races. I think the seven's a little bit interesting as a horse to include coming uh, in from some w- with some Laurel works for a barn who doesn't win a ton first time out, but I think is is plenty capable. Make sure to use the seven cool enough in some of your exotics. So I'll use four seven on one pick five ticket. We'll play another one in our bigger pick five ticket. Where uh, I'm going to use the 2 um, three, four, six, and 7 Here so we'll be using Mad Maddie Who's the first fool from an unraced dam The rail won't be easy but she's got some Speed she's shown some quickness The uh, hopeful princess Who's um dam Didn't win but three siblings a couple of them Were multiple winners and this is another one who seems To have some a little, uh, little bit of Ability in the morning for a barn who's capable Plenty capable first time out Obviously, Tequila Queen, the dam won the debut. Was six for ten. Was a Grade Three winner. Grade One placed. Won the first six starts. I mean, on paper, she looks really tough. This, it's just I've seen too many of them recently go down in flames at short prices. The six, Shake It Out West, the dam. One or second start was a four time winner With stakes place The lone sib of this one is a, a multiple winner But this barn has not been very great With first time starters overall Just one for 48 over the last five years And the win was going long at Mountaineer I, I still think there's a little something there So I will use that one On uh, on one of the pick fives Where I'm going to spread out a little bit And single later on in the ticket So um, I've got this race 7-4 to Three six kind of seven four on the top tier two three six um, using on my uh, my pick five. We go to race number two here. Uh, so for me, yeah, the, the top pick in the in the first is a seven. Cool enough. In race number two, the the five T loves a flight is legit. Like recently, he's locking heads with you know mind control and forensic fire. You know, grade one winners. The the concern I have with him, like I think he if he shows up and he's like got a B plus to A minus effort, he wins this race. I'm just a little bit concerned because he's got a kind of like a weird spotty work pattern. And I don't know if he's gonna come into this race like quite fit enough. So we'll use T loves of Flight, but I have the five. As you know a second or third Horse in, in here with the seven ruler of The Nile seems like the most Likely winner of this race to me A horse who loves Churchill Downs who comes back after some Decent races at Oakland Park and is in Nice form coming out of some strong races And then the nine I'm Corfu who's, who's Pretty fast but can also sit He just doesn't love to win races As of late but he's been Right there and then the one Barry Lee who's going to send harder from the inside So I think those are the four 7951 In race number 3 The 2 Stylish Ash Is going to be the horse I single We have a horse who hasn't raced since January Of 2019 And we saw this one going a mile On the grass In her debut I think she's just coming out of a strong race. She actually showed some ability in that field. Um, if you look at the group now, the horse who won that day is now a four-time winner. The third-place finisher is a multiple winner in stakes place. The horse who was fourth, we just saw, come back and win over the weekend and is a multiple winner now too. I just think she's better than this group. Nobody scares me at all in here. Um, I think Stylish Ash wouldn't have to be very much to, to crush this group. And... Um, because if you're looking at other horses Like Revealing Quality and Drop Dead Gorgeous Who, sure, they can win And Drop Dead Gorgeous is probably The the one to catch in here But give me the two We'll single on, on one ticket On my other backup ticket uh, We'll play the two and the twelve Stylish Ash and we'll use Drop Dead Gorgeous Along with the two We move to race number four Here and um, eight thousand claimers. The two spikes stroll taking a humongous drop in class. She hasn't shown a whole lot lately. Actually, <laughs> played her in a couple of the spots, but she. Eh, so to me, it's hard having played her in some of those spots, not at least giving her a look in here. I obviously never think it's a positive when horses take this kind of a drop in class. But um, if she's not a horse that gets like heavily overbet, it's, it all comes down to price, right? If a horse like this. You don't really like to play them when they're heavily backed or when they're a huge favorite. If they're a decent price, sure, throw them in. The, but for me, I guess I'll start with the six junior Gilliam. This is one of my better plays of the day. He had a slow start in his uh, most recent race. He was last early. He was 4 wide. He was 10 lengths off. He makes a big early wide move. 6 wide up to the lead. He ends up hanging a little bit late after that big move. He finishes 2nd. That's going six furlongs Now he's going to stretch out and go the mile He actually has some speed There is not a lot of speed in here I would not be shocked to see Junior Gilliam Really close to the lead And if that's the case He might be very very tough to run down So Junior Gilliam I'm going to play on top the nine summer revolution heading into the Diodoro barn beat Junior Gilliam last time out was super impressive. And now you're going to stretch back out and you're going to head into a barn who's just unbelievable. First start off the claim, I think six and nine are the top tier for me in this race. After them, that's where I go to the five sun brown. We haven't seen since last year, but you know what? You, you take a look at some of those Hawthorne races. They're not bad and he's behind Some productive horses who have come back And run really really well So Sun Brown I have uh, An underneath spots also the two Spike Shrill that I mentioned and then the twelve Hinford is another one who If You know maybe Junior Gilliam doesn't go to the lead Hinford perhaps From the outside sends hard there just isn't a ton. Maybe it's it's Ernie Banks. Like, one of these two or three horses has a big opportunity to steal this race. There just isn't as much speed. So if anyone gets that idea, tries to get brave, likely a couple others are going to sit back off them. 6-9-5-12-2 in race number four. And then we move to race number five. And I'll, I'll close out a pick five here with uh, three horses. The to me the six is obviously the one to beat. I think his giant is, you know, just a measuring stick in here. If nobody jumps up, he wins this race. The twelve grade, I like what he's shown most recently. You know, you look at his last three starts. He can sit a little bit off the pace. I do think it's going to be a really really good opportunity. For him cutting back from a mile And the 6.5 furlongs to the 6 furlongs So I'm just hoping he doesn't get Hooked a little too wide and end up getting Shuffled, you know, losing some ground Way out there, but if he's able to kind of Tuck in and not Be really outrun He's going to be a little more fit late And then Jersey Agenda To me, Jersey Agenda Is the real wild card in here because he showed ability early on And he just hasn't won in a while But can he Get out front Get brave Faced a ton better Throughout most of his career 5, 6, 12 In race number 5 at Churchill So the, the pick 5's I'm looking at A couple different approaches in race one, uh, the so the big one that I'm gonna play where I single the um, in race number three with stylish ash, it's gonna go like this: race one, pick five, two, three, four, six, seven, with one, five, seven, nine, with two, with two, five, six, nine, twelve, with five, six, twelve. Then I'll come back and I'll play a backup ticket that'll uh, start in race one with four, seven, with five, seven, nine. With two twelve, with six nine, with five six twelve. Couple plays later on in the card at Churchill to mention. Let's get you to race number seven. I've followed uh, the eight stylishly for a while. She's a, she's a good turf sprinter. She should not be this price. If she's like eight to one, that's worthy of a win wager. She just seems like she's on numbers and figures a tad below some of the best in here. But let's use an example, right? On October the 14th, she wasn't that far behind a horse named Storming Lady, who Devil's Dance has, you know, traded decisions with and has been behind a couple times, you see, crossing the wire. So play that common rival game. I don't think she's that far out of this group. This barn has already got a couple wins at the meeting left from last weekend. Her last start on April the 18th They took a shot on the slop Just put a line right through it It was her first start in 6 months And it was the first start for a new barn So what's nice is she got that fitness race Out of out of the way right She should have a little more oomph today Let's go, And she goes back to the grass look, at, look just key off of the turf sprints This is a lightly raced 5 year old Still with some upside Last time we saw her sprinting on the turf October the 14th She was 5th early, she was 5 off And it was a small field and she was chasing lone speed She was wide at the back of the pack In a small field chasing lone speed That's just not the recipe for winning She can sit a little closer She's got a little tactical speed to her Stylishly Make sure to throw her in any of your late exotics And if if she's in the double digits I'm going to definitely play her to win there In race number 7 At Churchill Downs That's the 8, stylishly We go to race number 9 final play of the day and it is going to be the number 9 and that's Mr. Dumas. I mean, he's coming out of some tough races. He's been in four consecutive really, really strong races. So he wins the the Grade 3 Commonwealth. Then he tries the Hollywood Derby. You put a line right through that race, right? Cuz it's in November, doesn't run well. It'll maybe a little bit overmatched. He's 17 to 1 in that field. So he comes back in February Against Grade 3 Company He's 7th early He's 10 off on the inside He's behind horses While Gidu runs off And you know those races when there's a runoff horse They're always a little bit weird And Mr. Dumas gets shuffled, he's in tight He loses ground, he makes an early 3 wide move Before flattening out But he still keeps trying late You'll notice he's only beaten just a, uh, He's beaten less than 3 lengths Comes back on March the 28th He gets hooked 4 wide He's in between horses into the turn He's 3-4 wide all the way He makes a 4 wide bid at the top of the lane He keeps trying but he just lost too much ground That's what I like about him Is he really does keep trying Now the unfortunate thing Is he going to get forced into do a wide trip again in here I hope not I think he's he's got a little class relief Against this group Mr. Dumas Let's give him top billing And we'll make him uh our top selection in race number nine. So, one more time, uh, horses throughout the card to use. In the first, the seven cool enough. The second, the seven ruler of the Nile. The third, the two style stylish Ash will be a single. Fourth, the six junior Gilliam. I really like uh, the seventh, the eight stylishly. In the ninth, the nine Mister Dumas will probably get bet a little bit. If you get anything over like three to one or so, that seems really fair. On a horse who in a good spot We just don't want to take much shorter than that So best of luck at Churchill On Thursday Let's get you to Golden Gate Final race track for Thursday May the 21st Let's get you over to Golden Gate Get those past performances out And let's turn to race number 3 For Golden Gate You can actually play a pick 5 Starting in this third race And I think the 4 would be a good horse to single There's just not a a lot of other early speed in this race. I think she could have a major pace advantage going first start off the claim for a really good barn off the claim. And then you pick up Hernandez, who seems to know her well. I think you look around, you see no other speed, and you send hard. Um, Let's go with no spin zone as a single in that early pick five. Um, and uh, and or any kind of early exotics, you know, if you're playing the early exotics or you play the late exotics, or everyone you you want to do it here. To me, this horse is a, a single and a horse that you can maybe key some tickets around. Let's go to race number four, and uh, there are a couple to look at in here. But for me, I guess it's it's Malibu Alex who I'd make a win wager if you can get five to two. Um, She looks like she's really going to sit a very nice Trip in here and again we'll be going back To Hernandez but I I, I did Think that between the Canada, Al Smear and Malibu Alex You probably have this race Pretty well wrapped up but Al Smear just Missed late um, last time Ran really well and will probably be right on the lead again Uh, Malibu Alex will be trying to run Him down Canada the same was behind The more recent next out winning King Eddie and after a slow Start did come on late so you'll Probably get Canada on the turn back, really rolling late, the the issue that I have is I just hope he's not too far back in here. So Smear, Malibu Alex, probably the two that get the uh, the uh, the better trips and and um, Canada will have to try to get a little lucky and run them down late. We move to race number five and the six cyber coming into a, a barn who's really good. With their new acquisitions, Cyber debuted against Much Better on the Grass at Santa Anita back in May. So, you know, like a year ago. You treat this horse almost like a first-time starter in here. Cyber is a horse I'm going to be using in all the exotics in race number 5. The 8 Eyesore Fire probably is is the one that they're going to have to run down in here. Another race on paper that doesn't like scream out uh, a heck of a lot of speed. And Moose Coca looks like the one to beat. Um, the this gelding on the the big drop in class. If he's got anything at all left, he'll be really really tough in here for the brothers Disormo, six eight eleven, in race number five. As we move to race number six, so uh, Cyber is the top selection in there in that fifth. The sixth race, Exactamente, uh, has plenty of success going long on the turf. When you dig deep a little bit, it's just the last time we saw. Her going long on the turf She was facing much tougher in a first level allowance group Look at the turf sprint races uh, That you see on the page They're not bad at all She's going to go second start off the bench Gets a little bit of class relief Dropping from the 16 to the 12-5 level in here I think this is a great spot for Exactamente We'll make a win wager If we get anything around 6-1 to one. Others to include in here uh, The 5 splashing Obviously top uh, betting choice Will be really really tough and a side effect. Going to go first off the claim for an excellent claim barn coming out of a productive race. Uh, it would be 4-5-6 in the Exotics. And anything over 6-1 to one will make a win wager on Exactamente. And then in race number 7, it's going to be Dynamite Ride, the number 6. He just is much, much faster than this group. He's going to go second start off the long, long layoff. He really needed his last start. And... Who is going to push him? To the outside, asking for trouble. I don't think is even you know close to quite as quick early on as Dynamite Ride is. The nine, my friend George, will be on the ticket, and uh, the seven asking for trouble in the closeout leg. But it's Dynamite Ride who's the top selection and the one we'll make a win wager at seven to two. So the pick five will play. We'll single the four, no spin zone, in race three with the three, four, five, with the six, eight, eleven, with the four, five, six, with the six, seven, nine, no spin zone, uh an early exotic single in the third, in race four, Malibu Alex, a win wager if we can get five to two, in race number five, Cyber, we can make a win wager if we can get five to one, in race six, Exactamente, win wager at a six to one or so, and then in race number seven. Dynamite Ride The top selection there will make a win wager If we can get around 7-2 to two. That is Golden Gate for Thursday Hope you enjoyed Golden Gate uh, Churchill Downs And Gulfstream Park We'll have some weekend racing for you On the next episode of That's What G Said Podcast We are going to hear a quick word from one of our sponsors And then we're going to get to Jason Beam and Danny Kovloff As we discuss Wrestlemania 5 Match by match we go back in time To 1989 when the Mega powers explode One of the sponsors of That's What G Said Podcast Is Cindy Carava, Full service realtor and I am here Over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker With Cindy Carava. Cindy how was 2019 for you Tell us a little bit about what uh, What kind of stuff you were working on
2: Hi, Gino, thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, Out to Upland and Ontario just recently, Um, the market has has been uh, really good. Um, We're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8 percent this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5 percent in increase in value. Um, It's also looking great for buyers. Uh, The interest rates right now are going to be staying under four percent. So if you're been on the fence about thinking about buying
0: And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. Everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact?
2: Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.sindicarava.com or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com. Or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400.
0: Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, Appreciate all of your support from That's What G Said podcast.
2: Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone.
0: We are back for another old wrestling rewatch And I'm glad that, uh, that Danny selected this one It's going to be Danny Kovaloff and Jason Beam Joining me to talk a little Wrestlemania 5 We're going to go back to 1989 And so now if you've been following along with some of our, um, our old wrestling recaps Now we've basically hit Wrestlemania's 3 through 10 which is really cool. I think Jason, you and I talked uh, WrestleMania nine together alone, and then Danny joined us for WrestleMania four, and then together we also hit on SummerSlam. I've hit the uh, the other WrestleManias with uh, with Andrew and with Darren, so we're going to be kind of completing. Um, a, a big era well, eventually one day we might go back to wrestlemania's one and two but i don't know they Just aren't it feels like the wrestlemania special era. delivery jones yeah the the wrestlemania era i think Really started in uh in three so uh jason danny fellas how you doing mr beam first we got to say A uh, belated happy birthday to you buddy thanks pal yeah it's uh 40 plus a day now There we go and you, you look like you're having some fun with the. Uh, with your editing equipment, and you're doing some good videos up on your YouTube channel. Let's get a cheap plug for the YouTube channel. I love watching yeah. you on
3: there. Uh, YouTube.com slash Jason Beam. Hit that, Smash that subscribe button. Danny K, how you doing, buddy?
4: Doing good. Uh, Jason, happy birthday. You don't look a day over 39. I know, buddy. <laughs> I'm,
3: that's why I, I, all these people were telling me, like, oh, I told you I'm 39 and a half. I'm like, eh, what are you going to do? It's better. It's better. I'd rather be 40 than 39 and a half because, you know, at least I'm keep. I'm keeping going.
0: So if if this was a uh, Gorilla and Jesse, we got a lot of uh, age banter in this. Uh, when Gorilla was saying "Oh yeah, yeah back they in were day," and Jesse yeah. was getting a little bit, pissed. What, "What do you, you mean back in my, my day?" My daughter, what do you mean with all that back in my day stuff, Gorilla? Yeah, which yeah. which was fun, and I think th- this is the one thing I love, and I think the difference between watching as a kid and then at now when we rewatch as an adult because. You know we look through a show like this And you know what there's a lot of good on this show There's also a lot of bad on the show Or a lot of stuff that probably didn't need to be at Wrestlemania Or maybe some things we could have cut out here and there And if the show was a little tighter I think it would have like Held up over the test of time Like reputation wise a little bit better But the two main event matches are good We had a fun um, DBIASI Brutus match We had uh, a fun Andre Like one of the last times there He actually did a pretty damn good job For not being able to move a whole heck of a lot There were some some bells and whistles on that match And you know overall this isn't a bad show but like, just like big picture thoughts, Jason. You know, with the the segment with the Piper's Pit segment that just felt like it was going on for a year. And then maybe, you know, like if you cut three other matches out and this show is an hour less, I think it would feel a lot better.
3: There was a, a little period toward this the second third where I thought, okay, uh, you know, Dino Bravo, Ronnie Garvin, they're 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 gonna wrap it up here and bring it into the main event, and then. I was like, oh, God, there's still this one. And then there was yeah. uh, this one. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But, you know, the, I, it seems like there's some WrestleManias where they really try to get everybody in the card. So they move up, put a lot of matches in, try to kind of hammer through them. And then there's a, like WrestleMania 9 was more of a less but longer matches kind of WrestleMania. I mm-hmm. mean, with yep. the exception of the Gonzales and stuff. But You're then right. like eight, eight, eight the year before, it seemed like there was a billion matches. And so it, it's interesting how some years they uh, they do more and some a little bit less.
0: Danny, big picture thoughts on uh, on this mania. Uh,
4: th- this is a long show that felt like a long show. I know you mentioned uh, the uh, Piper's Pit segment, also Run DMC with the WrestleMania rap. I yeah. watched that uh, since the first time I got got this uh, you know, on paper. Me, me neither. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, you know what, what? What this show's missing was kind of that uh, WrestleMania 4 had the year before, also another very long show, two tapes. Was that overall narrative? For the entire show that kind of tied it together This was just uh, a lot of matches Some better than the other And uh, way too much filler
0: What was good is that both of the main event matches Like the title matches really deliver This is a good, we, you know, we discussed um, how good Ultimate Warrior was with Macho Man, and they had great chemistry. He was also really good in the ring with Wick Roode. They had good back and forth. This was a good match for, for, in general, not even just like good for a, what people would say, warrior match. It seems like he steps up on the big stage a lot of the time. And then, I mean, Savage was unbelievable in that main event and We'll get to it a, a little bit more But he was flying all over the place He was just like He looked tan as can be He looked good, he was in great shape And he was just running around Like he knew this was going to be one of his big big moments And um, so th- Some of the big matches delivered But I, I kind of agree with you Danny Like that was what through through 4 Which was kind of a long slog Was like okay we're, we're getting through this tournament now And here it's like If we could have just removed maybe like a You know the Bravo match that you mentioned Maybe you remove the Bad News Brown Duggan match and then you remove those Like the Run DMC and you remove The Piper's Pit and then boom This show is at like 10-11 matches You you cut some of those really bull Segments out and I think it would have Just felt cleaner on the rewatch Because you're both of you are right it does just It drags in some spots and let's get through it We'll just jump right into it This if you're talking the best storylines In the history of this company, WWF And now WWE, there's probably Three to five that you'd mention You know, the the Andre Hogan stuff you, You'd mention you, You'd mention the Vince McMahon, Austin stuff uh, Which came later in the Attitude Era And this feud is probably right after that as far as like all time great meaningful feuds This was a feud that was built for about 18 months Since Miss Elizabeth winning got Hulk Hogan's help To save Macho Man from Honky Tonk And the Heart Foundation Who were uh, beating him up on Saturday night's main event Just a, a great story that this company told um, Back in like 88 through 89 And even a little, a, a little uh, later And what's crazy is that Through all of the years of WWF WCW Macho Man Randy Savage Never got one pinfall over Hulk Hogan not one. <laughs> oh,
4: Not one. I, I think that's kind of what keeps this uh, from being a top feud of all time, and right at number three or number four. If it were a little more back and forth, and uh, yeah, we'll get we'll get to that more later when we're talking about the main event, I'm sure.
0: So I mean, right off the bat. Um... You know I'm, I'm so much when we watch these back As I kind of t- uh, hinted at a little earlier I'm just so much more interested in the commentary A lot of the time now than even like the matches Which you know are, some of them are good And I'm, I'm paying attention to But like you just catch all these easter eggs And how sharp Jesse and Bobby are And in, in the back and forth here And I mean it, it gets going right away We get the uh, Vince McMahon The mega powers explode At Wrestlemania 5 And uh, Jesse and Gorilla on commentary We're in Atlantic City, Trump Plaza Back to back years now But I will say they, they changed it a little bit Like I think the arena looks a little better This year as far as like a sporting arena Doesn't look as much like a ballroom Kind of like it did the year before They made a couple tweaks here and uh, gorilla says, um, "Fasten your, Fatten your seatbelt, <laughs> fasten your seatbelts." He kind of bump, bumbles up uh, right off the bat, and then he sounded like he was struggling in the open. Yeah, as like, a wh- early. like as a whole, yeah, it was. Yeah, I agree. He was a little bit off. And actually, what's funny, there were a couple weird things that are off about this. The, uh, this right off the bat, the first five minutes. Well, first, rock and Robin singing the national anthem. <laughs> not <laughs> not the fat Franklin. We've got Aretha Franklin in, in previous years And you think about Gladys like the list Knight. of who's, who's who Gladys Knight, you get Willie Nelson later You get, yeah. um, what, a Stevie Wonder Didn't he, or you, you get uh, uh, Little I Richard mean, Little Richard later Just unbelievable list, Aretha Franklin Like who's who, or you mentioned Aretha And then uh, Ariba, Ariba McIntyre Cousin yeah. of Tito Santana um, According to, uh, to Bobby So we get Rock and Robin, and she's terrible. And as soon as she's done singing, Jesse just lays into her right away. She better keep her daytime job. Gorilla is all I gotta say. She better stick to wrestling. <laughs> I mean, this was pretty, this was pretty bad.
3: Yeah, that was. I mean, it was. It, you know, she's a wrestler singing. I I, I get that it's it's kind of fun, but it was. Yeah, it it, it was awkward, and Jesse Jesse wasted no time in, in hammering her for it.
4: Yeah, you know, it kind kind of struck me watching that. You know, here's Rock and She was a women's champion at the time, which uh, meant absolutely nothing, and relegated to just doing a terrible anthem rendition on the show. And 30 years later, you know, you got the girls main a uh, main eventing it. So
0: yeah, that's a great point. It really is a good point to see how much time the the times have changed. And uh, and then we get to our first match: King Haku versus Hercules. And actually, in the open on the original tape, um. You, you don't ever hear Howard Finkel making Mistakes but he actually calls him King Tonga when he in, oh, when wow. in, On the intro and if you go back and listen You can tell that the the Sound of King Changes, Haku yeah. Is a is little bit different than his right before And right afterwards because he went back and did it Over um, and plugged that in so Right off the bat you got gorilla fumbling you got an Awful national anthem and you get a Botched like entrance for your first guy that you're Calling down the ring um, versus Hercules hercs have been a mainstay for uh, these these for early WrestleManias and I will say Bobby looked good here. He looked sharp. <laughs> he looked thin. He looked like slimmed down I think probably because he had to get in the ring. You know maybe he had, he was in a yeah. little bit better shape, but he definitely didn't look like bigger um I liked what he, I liked this look here. He was he was very sharp and um uh, Haku's carry to the ring, you know, he's King Haku here. And Gorilla makes a wisecrack about Bobby And Jesse, and uh, Jesse says I can't believe you'd say that about a broadcast partner Of yours, and Gorilla <laughs> wants to <laughs> Gorilla wants to check Bobby's Credentials, and so we're just having fun With the three of them, um, and then This was great, Bobby tells the fans to bow to the King, and Gorilla says he doesn't see many People genuflecting. and then Jesse Just so quick, oh, it's because it's they're on a Long shot, Gorilla, you can't tell, we gotta Do a close-up, you know, you can't see them all Bowing down, you know, so, uh, just not not even wasting any time for some great great interactions here, and um, then Haku tries to get him from behind and of co- or goes from behind early, and of course Gorilla with the Pearl Harbor job, he always would say that in yeah. an attack from behind. Um, and and Herc looked pretty good here. This was this was fine. Uh, Bobby distracts him. Herc goes outside. You know, Haku nails Herc from behind. I thought they were both moving pretty quick. Haku slowed things down a little bit, and. Just some of the simple things between Gorilla and Jesse, like when they're breaking down the bear hug, you know, and like his te- and Haku's technique in the bear hug, and Gorilla's talking about how he should be holding him a little higher, and Jesse's saying lower, and he says, Jesse says, uh, "What would a gorilla know about a bear hug?" <laughs> and uh, and then uh, Gorilla says something about uh, Jesse, you know, putting his hands on referees before, and he said only if they had it to come into them. This was this was fine this was a fine opener there were some there, this wasn't a bad match at all I actually kind of looking at pay, on paper I was like ah, Haku Hercules for six but they went pretty quick Hercules is a new baby face here he ends up getting the win on like a back suplex and uh Jesse says a big win for the slave
3: Danny you want to go or me Just, or...
4: uh just just just, just, just... It, it's 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 a weird thing. Like watching it for me, whenever I hear any of the old school kings of the uh, WWF music, and that music starts, and it's not Jerry Lawler that comes out, it still uh, still throws me off every I, time. Right, it does
3: seem weird. Yeah, Harley Race. Right, there there was yeah. a string of king, wasn't Hacksaw King Hacksaw for a Hacksaw, while. Uh,
4: Harley Haku, and then Macho, and Macho Man. Uh, yeah. kind of took it for a while.
3: They. Uh one of the things this WrestleMania I thought did poorly was there was a number of big tough guy versus big tough guy matches. And I always feel like good workers and good workers have great matches. Good workers and bad workers can have good matches, but bad workers and bad workers have bad matches. And, uh, and I don't mean that either Haku or Hercules is a bad worker. They just kind of have the same style. It's
0: like
3: like a level that they can
0: hit. There's yeah, like a, it's like they're only going to hit this this high of a level. Yeah, I
3: mean, the bad news in hacksaw is, is obviously horrendous, but because mm-hmm. uh, because both of them weren't all that, you know, gr- but they were both kind of neat characters. But I just think that when you have a big, slow, tough guy, like the dichotomy of a fast guy working with him, to me, is always way more entertaining. And And actually, the next match, we see it almost perfectly because it's yep. it's two huge guys versus two fast guys and there's some really neat spots in that uh, in that one but um yeah this one i mean it was you know it was just it was it was a not a strong opener it, it's interesting cuz like there's they nowadays it seems like they usually open with you know, more of a name and that's kind of a good spot that first match, but it seems like in some of the early manias, that's not the case. Like it's kind of, they would build throwaway matches. Yeah. Yeah,
0: They would kind of build a crescendo. A lot of times what they would do too is like, uh, you know, they have intermissions in the shows, so they would have like, Sort of a main event in the middle of the card, and then like their bigger matches stacked after it. But uh, it, 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 I kind of agree. It's weird to me that they didn't flip flop maybe the first two matches, and maybe only because the Twin Towers win that match and they wanted to get like a baby face over win to get the crowd happy early on. But it like the Rockers were a team that we would see open the card a lot. Yeah, they, there was
3: like five pay per views in a row. It seemed like it was them versus uh, Tanaka and, and the Royal Rumble and those guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. and it I think WrestleMania 7, they opened. There was there was a while there where they were always like the first. And because they, they were such a fun tag team. I mean, they were just awesome.
0: They were different. They they could go and... Um, tag make... team specialists! Tag team specialists. There was not a Rockers match where that phrase was not uttered. Was, wasn't uttered. And they mention it in their promos. And they, how about this? Danny yeah. Kay? We get our first look at the future Mr. WrestleMania. Shawn Michaels shows up on our television uh, at WrestleMania 5.
4: And who would have thought what that was going to turn into? Uh, 1989, WWF was a different time. And just, I, I know, Jason, you like the dichotomy of the tough guys versus the fast guys. But for me, back then and even now, like looking at it in the mirror or in the in the window through uh, 30 years back, but there's no way that I'm thinking the two small guys are beating a pair of monsters or even yeah. being that competitive with them in uh, the WWF in that era. Like, it was always going to be... Bit of a squash, and Sean looked good. Rockers bumped, good, jumped, moved around well. But uh, that was a strong win for the Towers, and that's what it was at the time. I
3: thought. uh, Go ahead, Jason. Yeah, I I I thought what what I love about this style of match is those guys, the little, the smaller guys, the rockers are moving around, they're jumping, they're flying, and then every so often they get caught. And, and it ends on a on a getting caught, right, where, where boss man just completely hammers it. Like, he comes off the rope, he awesome. catches him. Like and a power I, I it, Yeah, pow, that's the word. Yeah, and it was an awesome reaction to that because everybody was getting fired up. It's building. The Rockers are winning. They're winning. They're winning. Bam! And it just totally took everything out of the crowd. And then here comes Air Africa, which a- Akeem has got to be one of the worst Character switches Ever. of all time, right? Ever. Like
0: from the one man. He was gang. the one
3: man gang, a bruiser from Chicago. By the way, he's like a Louisiana guy, the guy that you know plays these two. And then the next thing you know, he's Hakeem. Hakeem, the was he? Was there for a while where he was Hakeem and then Akim,
0: or was think, it, or that's one? Never mind. Was, Never yeah, mind. Yeah, I think. Well, and I think the, the the going the running joke was that he was a, a joke on Dusty roads and that he oh, was okay. made as someone. So he would who was do the to, little hand dance. The, ju- the yeah, the jive in, and he would kind of, you know, and he would. T- and so he was supposed to be someone that they was like a, a make fun of the because they would call him, you know, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and he was the African Dream, you know, because they said they would say that Dusty would kind of speak in the Ebonics and things like that. So it was it was like a all these inside jokes between companies and um, yeah, he was he was a badass as the one man gang before and even after Ooh. um he left uh WWF he was booked. Way way different and he was in that semifinal, final um, in the um, You know in the tournament against Macho He ended up um, you know just getting himself Disqualified which is really stupid in Wrestlemania 4 But uh he had, so it's him and the boss Man together versus the Rockers And <laughs> right off the bat Jesse talks about how The Rockers are giving up too much size and weight And Gorilla just says I mean that's what happens You can't ask to wrestle guys 240 Or less and Jesse says I did <laughs> you know so uh, <laughs> um, there's like a really hot start for the rockers and and as jason mentioned in, in Danny too it's like this was good back and forth um you get the that the, the it's like a perfect tag team match in, in how it's built. Uh, you know, the small guys, you know, work on them for a while. They use their speed, then they get caught. and then they're gonna be selling for a little while, and then there's a spot. they're gonna get the hot tag. They're gonna come back and they're gonna use their speed. And it was just really good back and forth here. Um, Jesse said early he thinks that the towers took the the rockers lightly. um bo- and Bossman he gets slimmer in the next couple years. He's massive here. He's huge.
3: yeah is. Yeah, I mean his his he's broad uh, upstairs because he's always kind. of I mean he's he's a a good moving big man and he's real thin in his legs and stuff. But his his upper body's definitely uh, bigger in this spot.
0: And uh, Jesse's pissed about all the up uh, the double teaming going on. Um, and then Jason, you mentioned that awesome Shawn Michaels goes to the top rope, jumps off, Boss Man catches him. Turns him around with a power bomb finish. It looked great, and then uh, Akeem tags in, cleans up the garbage with a big splash for the W. There, I, I believe that one went uh, just over like eight minutes or so. Gino, we the-
3: should we should mention one of the great clotheslines in WrestleMania history in this match. Oh yeah, Akeem, Akeem misses one. Turns around and Michael, and he just clobbers Michaels, and he completely sells it. And I mean, the gasp in the arena when it happens, and Jesse has that great line: "I believe he irritate, irritated Akim." <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it's an amazing clothesline. They actually, if you go on YouTube, like if you just Google Akeem clothesline, like it, somebody has it kind of like just a little 10-second clip. And I mean, he
0: clobbers him. Bumping all around Mr. WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels. So, uh, yeah, 802, I believe, Twin Towers get the win here. And um, Shawn Michaels is in the history books in WrestleMania with an L right off the bat. And then we see Tony Schiavone. I think a lot of people forget Tony Schiavone had about a year Where he was in the WWF he, You now see him on All Elite Wrestling on, on TNT You remember him as you know the face of WCW for all those years And even the NWA before that And Schiavone talks about it a lot Because he has his podcast now with Conrad And they've had him for a few years And he's very open, he's on a lot of shows And he said that Vince, he was going to be the guy Like Schiavone was going to be the, the WWF announcer For the next... Forever and he moved to Connecticut with his family and he went up there With Vince and he was there all the time And it just they didn't like living there And he decided you know after a year To to go back to Atlanta and to go Back to WCW so um, He's here I always liked Schiavone no, Shivani was cool and, and I think he does a good job here he's kind of a fun nostalgic Voice to hear we get DiBiase And Virgil and uh, DiBiase cuts his normal promo About, you know, being rich And this is the first time we see the million dollar Belt on TV Jason, I thought this was fun Um, this match went 10 It was a pretty decent pace Though, like sometimes the DiBiase and Brutus's matches Will kind of slow down a little bit But if you just look for the, from like the You know, 87 to this Brutus is much improved I thought they both you know, did pretty well like this this is a fun match. This is fine. I thought this is kind of like a good wheelhouse, like a ten minute match or so. the The matches on this show that were between eight to ten were kind of the the more solid matches that you kind of felt invested in. The really short ones were the ones that you could kind of do without. This was fine for me.
3: Yeah, I thought it was one of Beefcake's better uh, matches. Yeah. And, and maybe that's maybe that's a credit to to DiBiase and uh, the match includes one of my favorite lines in WWF history, which is the win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. Uh, I always thought that was such a great Jesse <laughs> Heel line. Uh, the thing that always perplexes me is why Gorilla calls him bruti. And I don't know. Is it like a when, singular? You know, when a ca- <laughs> yeah, like when a cactus is singular, it's cacti. So if he's a Brutus yeah. singular, is he Brutai? He's just a Brutai. I, I, yeah, I never, I never <laughs> could too. figure that out.
0: Brother Brutai, yeah,
3: because he says it all the time. <laughs> I mean, like, he'll say that more than Brutus. Yeah, yeah. And then Jesse calls him <laughs>
0: Um Danny, I know you. You're a big uh, B- uh, Brutus fan too. Like he was always a good mid card act. He's Hulk's buddy, and actually, he kind of, following this pay per view, he actually gets ma- um like elevated to the main event when he teams up with uh with Hogan against Zeus and the Macho Man in a couple different <laughs> spots and uh and Teddy Biasi and Zeus moving forward so uh you know Brutus with another pretty good job like he doesn't have he doesn't have a lot of swings and misses either in, in on these big shows he always puts in a a pretty good like you're going to get like a double from Brutus you know what you're going to get I think this was
4: about as good as you could have hoped for from Brutus Beefcake and uh, mm-hmm. being in there with DiBiase helped uh, double count out didn't do anything for me in, in, in this match either, uh, you know. And it feels like I, I could be making this up. It felt like there were a lot of non-finishes on this uh, on this
0: show. No, were. Which,
4: which I think hurt it a bit. But, uh, yeah, no, this was a perfectly good ten minutes that uh, on a shorter show would have uh, probably left a better impression.
0: So... Couple things uh, throughout it's the show
4: Theoretically
0: shows. Wrestlemania is supposed to tie up A lot of storylines it rides, is right? it's supposed yeah. to be like The ending you know like the culmination Which is kind of funny because I'm actually Going to pitch when we get to the main event that I and, and Dave Meltzer kind of talks a little bit about this too That the main event And like the this feud with Hogan Savage might have been better served If Savage held on for the title for a little while longer And Hogan chased him a little longer Because these guys were doing really good stuff at the house shows And, and Savage was really hot still And then once he beat Savage There's just like we said they brought Zeus in They just don't have any like heels lined up Against Hogan that's kind of what did Warrior In you know following too because they just didn't Really have strong heels lined up so um, We'll get there uh, uh, a little while When we get to that main event match but
4: they also had a movie to promote Geno. Yeah, No
0: Holds Barred. We can't forget that one, uh, which we get a preview of a little later on. Maybe one day we'll have to do a rewatch of that one and ta- and, ta- and break that movie down. But, um, You're going to have uh, to get
3: another host for that.
0: Yeah, know. yeah. go <laughs> um, so yeah, Trump – Trump is there He, um, DiBiase mentions Trump Mentions uh, the elite are there to watch him He talks trash to Brutus He calls himself the best athlete in the WWF And then when he heads to ringside uh, He shakes Trump's hand And Fink introduces the man Who makes his spring residence in Palm Beach, Florida this, That's where he is uh, this part of the year Gorilla asks Who did he beat to become the million dollar champ? And Jesse says he had to beat somebody to get all that money. He beat the bank. <laughs> and, uh, That's how fortunes are accrued, Monsoon.
3: <laughs> all the great fortunes were accrued through cheating.
0: <laughs> so, um, we get the huge pop for Brutus, the sleeper versus the million-dollar dream, and then we got some. Uh, throughout the show, we got a lot of references to gorillas gambling. This yeah, is where yeah. where it starts. So Jesse starts making fun of his gambling. Says, uh. Um, Gorilla what you would go through the worth of that million Dollar belt in under three hours at the casino He says uh he hears Every time Gorilla goes home he's minus Everything but his underwear And uh and then Gorilla says he's been Listening to the weasel too much Uh fast start for beefcake big back Body drop Ted's outside it's all Brutus early and then DiBiase turns the Table slows it down a little bit So yeah pretty good back and forth you know you get Some Virgil distracting in there And um and ends up with A double count out but the crowd loves the post-match beatdown on Virgil. Brutus gets the clippers out, and Je- this is- Jesse says, "This should be a fine and a suspension." And Gorilla says, "The match is over." And Jesse says, "Then it's assault with a deadly weapon."
3: And Gorilla. Uh, I also says, love what he said. I love what he says. Who's he? He's. He's going to
0: cut Virgil's hair. Yeah, <laughs> he says he just wants to give the guy a haircut. So uh, yeah, that was. I mean, that's fun. Like you know what you're going to get with Brutus. You're going to get the. You're going to get that tease the clippers the crowd loves it and this was fine like this was a fine like 12 you know the match is 10 minutes plus the two or three minutes around it's fine like 12 or 13 minutes um ugh. then we get to the bush the port bushwhackers here where uh how'd you like to be licked by a bushwhacker nowadays right right fellas in this uh in this climate i, little... I mean
3: they they just they do nothing for me on any level Ever. of wrestling comedy entertainment I, I do the walk sometimes but that's that's about it
4: when you were 10 years old though jason not even then
3: no i would walk around and and do the bushwhacker walk like like a a, a, a crazy person yeah and,
4: and then, then that's the, that's who they were meant for like while well, looking at it back now who, who are these idiots but yeah. uh, 1989 i had no better tag team than the bushwhackers
0: <laughs> so the but it's the, the bushwhackers they're at, at the brunch and uh they're getting asked questions by lord alfred and they don't answer any of them they just uh, eat uh poor lord alfred he can he can just sometimes he gets stuck in you know like his words and you could tell that like he's not you know He's not the most eloquent person And he just is like frozen and he get, he says something That's like that made absolutely no sense Whatsoever like that sentence he just said It's like what uh, but he's always Fun to show up uh, here and there and we see Lord Alfred for a minute Then we get the Bushwhackers versus the fabulous Rougeau Brothers the future Mountie Jacques Rougeau here And um, he was also in the Quebecers Later on in his career Crowd as Danny said they pop For the Bushwhackers and uh Jesse said he saw gorilla walking through the casino, like the bushwhackers and gorilla says, sometimes it happens. And uh, Jesse (laughs) says, he asks if he was hitting the joy juice. And he says, uh, watch out gorilla. Cause you know what it does to animals. And he says, the, the bushwhackers look like they're on the joy juice or some kind of juice. And, uh, then, the, like, all, most of all my notes are not about anything in this match. It's just about how Jesse and Gorilla start arguing about the Rougeos and if they're real Americans because they reside they in America in now. now. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, like, really, like, arguing about it back and forth. And doesn't it seem like Jesse almost always gets the better of Gorilla? It's like when you hear him now and, like, Gorilla's just, like, painting himself into a corner and he's just like, ah, oh, crap. Like, you can't say anything. And Jesse's just kind of laughing about it. Um... And then this is where Gorilla keeps mentioning back in Jesse's day And and Jesse's getting riled up about it Uh, Jesse even confuses Luke and Bush at one time Bushwhackers get the W with the battering ram Then the double stomach breaker Jesse calls it a major upset Bushwhackers win and they lick each other's faces And then as they walk down the aisle Sean Mooney is uh, about to interview fans And the Bushwhackers lick his face Nice
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well they uh there's a great line where Jesse says he's never seen the bushwhackers do a wrestling move. And <laughs> and then when, when they do the the that battering ram and the double stomach breaker, which looks like <laughs> the least painful move ever. anybody's it's ever horrible. had. Done for, Yeah. I uh, my other note is I love how Gorilla always says Raymond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for Raymond, Raymond Rougeau, Who who by the way went on to have like a very nice career? And I think maybe still is employed as a uh, a French commentator. I know he was yes. gone for a while, but I think he yeah. came back. Mm-hmm. So shout out Raymond and and, I'm, and John, I mean, like you said, he had a big career too. So and I guess they don't talk. Uh, I saw some shoot interview where the brothers don't talk.
0: D.K. Yeah, you were a cracks, Bushwhacker guy, right?
4: Yeah, Bushwhacker guy. But it cracks me up that their music is the All American Boys. We're but...
0: all American <laughs> boys. <laughs>
4: Couple, couple of French Canadians, uh, now residing. Where was it? Memphis.
3: Memphis. Well, yeah, because yeah, there's uh you know where he's, Jesse yeah. talks about why is everybody always picking on poor Jimmy Hart, you know, <laughs> and because because Jimmy was a Memphis guy, so and you know yeah, that's where Honky was at, and uh, uh, yeah, they uh, yeah, the 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 Yeah, you know, to come to think of it, I used to love the Mountie song too. I mean, they're all American boys in the Mountie song are horrible like singing efforts, but they're funny. And like then they changed
0: the when the Quebecers came on, yeah. the song was just "We're the Mounties." Yeah. All they did <laughs> was just add the "We're" to the "I'm the Mountie" song. Yeah.
4: And then the Jeez. Mounties actually complained to Vince, and they changed the lyrics to "We're not the
0: Mounties." Yes, yes. This is just oh yeah, so so funny. Yeah. And um, actually, uh, doing some research because the next um. Show that I do later this week with Andrew and Darren is gonna be Royal Rumble ninety two, and that's a big one for the Mountie. He had just won the IC title and he's a loser. So where he it. went to jail? No. Well, this is the one that he loses it to Piper. Summer uh, oh, SummerSlam ninety one we just did when he went to jail, which was amazing, and he's just screaming,
2: Ow, oh, you're hurting me. You're
3: hurting me. That was
0: actually a really great bit. It I was thought. funny. It yeah. was gold. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. SummerSlam 91 is an excellent one to kind of to go back and watch kind of some really good sneaky um, um, hidden gems in there too. So uh, so like so far, the show's moot like the one thing I like about this is that it's moving pretty quick. There's not been like a lot of fluff and stuff in between yet. I say yet because things trained quite a bit when we have a couple segments coming up. But um, this next match, Is a hell of a lot of fun for a match that goes 5 minutes and 30 seconds And I think that's the thing Like when you get these two guys in the ring Mr. Perfect and the Blue Blazer They don't know who the Blue Blazer is We know it's Owen Hart These guys are excellent I mean if you were to make a list of like Some of the all-time best workers in the WWF These two would probably be in your top 10 for sure And I think you just don't Get really bad matches with either of these two Guys so it's Mr. Perfect versus the blue Blazer got the new outfit new singlet For Mr. Perfect the blazer from Parts unknown and um, Jesse calls it right away he says it's going to be A sleeper match and they give a shout Out to Mr. Perfect's dad Larry the axe Hennig nobody knows 24 Inch neck (laughs) yeah he was at AWA right Yeah and um they uh, they get started, the Blazer is controlling things early He's flying around the ring, he's countering everything that Perfect tries he Goes to the top rope for a splash Perfect gets his knees up, bounces around the ring and then Perfect is in charge um, Gorilla says he's glad he's retired And uh, so Jesse says Me too and then he says I, I gotta say hi To uh, Ty- Terry, Tyrell, Jade And Jeremiah my four biggest fans And Gorilla Yeah who's says, Jeremiah He got added in is that, he is that did. like Jade's Husband or something it's gotta be right Yeah because yeah. it used to be just Terry, Tyrell and Jade And then yeah. uh, Gorilla says those are only four fans <laughs> And then Jesse teases A surprise Gorilla isn't sure if he wants A surprise from Jesse we get a cool belly to belly from uh, Owen the Blazer, and a couple real like near falls at the end. The crowd really bites on that perfect. Just gets out. Owen starts to argue with the ref about the three count, and then the blade. Uh, and then the perfect gets the advantage, and he's able to hit the uh,
3: the fisherman suplex. No, no, that's the
0: perfect plex for the win. I
3: uh, I-, I was thinking. It- I know that mask wrestling has like a great history in many places in the world. I always felt like it was hard to relate to someone when they were in the mask. Like 100%. you didn't, I didn't, I didn't connect to them. And it, it almost makes me like that much more appreciative of Rey Mysterio because he was able to be huge with the mask. And I know that that's kind of a cultural thing too. But, um, like Owen as Owen is awesome. And Owen is the blue blazers. Like, wow, this guy's good. But like, why do I care about a guy that I don't know about? And
0: so, uh, you don't, I don't get know. the I Weasley just... part because, like, some of the best yeah. things of Owen are like the Weasley heel stuff, right? And his like laughs or his, yeah. you know, he's like the way he plays off the crowd too. He does a really good job with that. And you just don't, you don't get that. Even as a baby face, he he was he's fine, and he like he get he, you're able to just to get more emotion from him. I completely agree with you, especially young as a kid. Like, I couldn't really connect as much. I needed the storyline a little bit more, you know, like to get into a match. It, nowadays, I can appreciate um uh, just a really good worked match Danny but I still want some storyline in my wrestling I think J- JR says it best it's like you want some personal feuds you know and then you end them in a ring with a good like a good brawl and this this was fun Danny we got to see two excellent workers on the mania stage
4: Oh a, he- a heck of a fun match and uh, you know just glimpses of things that were way ahead of their time with uh, what Owen was doing back then uh for for me it's uh, tougher to watch the blue blazer character knowing yeah yeah Of that, and that's uh, just just a a real damper on it for me because before that, I always remember uh, you know kind of liking the Blue Blazer a bit as a kid. Yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, I obviously still obviously still do, but uh, no. Owen would go on to much uh, bigger and better things.
0: And I believe there's a Dark Side of the Ring um, on Owen. We're recording this on Tuesday night. I believe it's tonight. Um, The final Dark Side of the Ring. It's going to be on Owen. It's supposed to be excellent. Yeah, I saw there
3: was there was a news story about. Uh, I got Brett saying Owen's wife's, like diminishing his legacy or something. She like that. she won't let or... him.
0: She won't let um him go into the WWF Hall of Fame. They want him. They've been wanting to induct him into the the Hall of Fame now for a while, and she won't let it happen. Um, she just is obviously she has a doesn't like WWF for the, what what went down, and she thinks that it's not. She even said like it's well, not they got real. Paid, right? I mean, she got yeah. Big lawsuit, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think she's still um, she makes the decisions there. So that's kind of what it's all come down to. One of oh, okay. eventually they'll they'll love to give him in there, get him in there, and uh, and be able to kind of pay a little tribute to him. But if she doesn't want, uh, she doesn't want this to happen, then then it won't. And and so we'll get a look at Owen. Oh, uh, if you want to get some uh, the dark side of the ring, those series have been really really good. They're they're you know so if you're if you're like a happy go lucky wrestling fan, they're not for you <laughs> because they're Like you know they're gonna give you the literal dark side of everything. Um, but they're very, very fascinating uh, oh, I watch
3: checking. them every week
0: Yeah, every worth week. checking out uh, Excellent stuff So, Fink um, introduces An all-time star One of television's top commentators And a self-professed major Hollywood star Jesse the Body And we get the big reaction For Jesse He did this at most shows And you know what? The crowd loved him He had been in movies now He was a constant for, for many years um on the announce table and he was i think one of the first like him and piper are kind of in that wave of like the cool heels the heels that it's okay to like kind of guys you know
3: well jesse kind of he he had those there were some some wrestlers who whether they were heel or face like macho and, yep. and he liked no matter what and mm-hmm. like rude w- rude was one that he always i thought overly pushed to liking which which i like because i like rude but um it's interesting. i also had jesse played favorites a little bit i mean of course he's the heel announcer but there was some he was way more passionate about than others and yeah he definitely uh i think you're right about the crossover heel thing because there was a long time where like it was just like robots good guy bad guy that's it
0: danny <laughs> k what are your uh what are your like some, some of your overall jesse thoughts no he
4: he, he just uh exuded coolness and just he also was pointing out things that were so obvious all the time. If you actually just looked at them like this guy is a, you know, H- Hogan's cheating just as much. Yeah, no, you're right. He and was it, right. He was just right a lot. You know, and every every time you stop and think about it, like, yeah, hey, I'm supposed to not like Jesse, but everything he's saying is pretty much
0: true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, he was so. just sharp. And, you, you, you know, with him and Bobby, they were... They were too quick with things To where it wasn't like they didn't have a list of canned things You know like they didn't have like the The button to press for like You know like this next you know uh, s- sound bite. they were just What you said they were going to process It and then respond to it just quicker than You could and they could just do that with Gorilla all the time or Vince or whoever They were with and uh, just really smart Sharp guys I love listening back to All these uh, Jesse stuff and and Bobby uh, When they're on and now we get the big uh, The big pop for Jesse and then we see The 5k run from earlier I always This is like one of those weird things that I remember From this Wrestlemania and it's such a small thing But like Mr. Fuji doing the 5k run in his full suit and Obviously like having cheated because he just showed up like no sweat He's with the, the, the top but he's He's been running slow every time We've seen him like how everybody's Just passing him how is he you know up there With the best this is great this is funny Fuji he's finishes the five. 5- yeah, the finish the 5k in under 20 minutes With his damn cane that's Impressive Jason
3: I, I, I put down That uh, I think he really did complete the 5k uh, because he, I think he shows a little athleticism in the show and in that match, and uh, I think
0: that he he tuned up for it uh, properly. Fuji is a five time tag team champion. That was something I didn't realize until it said like multiple time tag team champion, and I wanted to go back and look. And then I realized, like, oh crap, he held the tag team champions five times, I think with three different partners. So he was definitely somebody who, um, I like Mr. Fuji, like. Danny, the one thing I I sort of miss nowadays And we're kind of getting it like We get Zelina Vega, who's who's actually a pretty good mouthpiece And she's kind of a good heel And she's kind of getting like a, a heel faction now But when we watch these old shows It was so easy to uh, to know somebody was like a good guy or a bad guy Based on who they were with, right? It's like, you're with Slick, you're with Jimmy You're with Slick. Bobby the Brain, you're a bad guy
4: <laughs> it, it not only is it instant affiliation like are you a face or are you a heel he did family obviously you're a bad guy it, it's built in storylines it's uh it's one, one of the best mouthpieces in the business or you know and they, they had several at the time who were great
3: have you and, guys uh oh go ahead sorry danny
4: uh, yeah. no no go ahead Jen.
3: well i was gonna ask you if have you guys ever seen the video of macho's first match with wwf i don't think so they it's it's on youtube you can find it or all the managers are at ringside mm-hmm. and they're all sizing him up and then after the match they all go up in there and they're all taking a look and it, it's just such a funny bit to me because it's it, i think it's all the bad guy man yeah, <laughs> i mean w- was there good guy managers really i mean other than elizabeth certainly was but it seemed like for I guess Oliver Humperdink became one when Bam yeah, Bam. he was like oh, <laughs> It kind of just depend on their character, but it always seemed like managers mostly were heels.
0: Yeah. And I think because they they give you a little added something, they can help you cheat um and then they can take the heat at the after the match, right? Like Bobby can take a bump or, or you know Jimmy Hart or Slick's Slick's going to get his, his suit ripped off like so you can it's it's a fun you know way to use the heel the manager as a heel. And and I think now we just I wish we had a little bit more, A few more of them you know there's some Really good talkers with personalities it actually looks like MVP is going to be like speaking Sort of for, for Lashley which I kind of like Because you know Bobby Lashley's a big good Looking guy eh, but he just can't Speak he doesn't have very much personality he doesn't Get across so that's what these guys could Do is that they could make wrestlers That we wouldn't have really taken Seriously or wouldn't have thinking much of them But then you put them in the Heenan family and now all of a sudden You're like oh okay this guy's a bad guy And they're kind of a, a contender so I just I miss yeah, I miss a lot of the uh the managers as we get to uh this was the run DMC concert. Not gonna really talk about that. Thanks. I just I, I love what Gorilla says after though. Uh Jesse, I know you like that, but a little bit of that goes a long way with me. <laughs> just like ripping on this right away, like sorry, I'm uh I'm old. No thank you. I don't need this uh concert in my wrestling ring. Um and i'm never really a fan like i'm fine when they have peop- when they have bands playing like an entrance song someone to the ring i just like maybe give me it to me before the show or after the show. I just I think a lot of times when your wrestling fans are there, it really kinda brings the crowd down when you get it. M- music have a... and
3: sports just don't mix to me. I have never understood why they yeah. everybody wants to horn them in. Yeah. You're always gonna have half the crowd that hates the artist or is just annoyed and it's just I never I never have understood stood the connection.
0: And you love music and you love sports. Exactly. You know, it's not like you don't like either. I love them both too. I love and
3: barbecue it... and I love cereal, Gino, but I don't want them together.
4: Well, that's such okay. a Gino's point though when you actually get the band playing the theme song down yeah yeah yeah. that's always money works every
0: that's great for me that's fine i love that um but just um yeah a little a little bit out of place sometimes but this was a big get i mean run dmc was big you know they're they're big stars here um we get the uh footage for the demolition versus the powers of pain um Match coming up, and we get the, this goes all the way Back to Survivor Series, when Mr. Fuji Turned on Demolition, and in, in that double Turn, uh, you get a de- <laughs> Demolition Promo, where um, I think They say, uh your, your favorite Right here, your, uh, what they call Fuji. How many times do they say it in this promo, fuge Jason? Stooge. Maybe five? They, I, yeah, I mean
3: <laughs> I think what happened was They're sitting back, you know, they're on the road They're traveling the circuit, and Axe is just like, hey, Smash What about calling him Fuji the stooge And they're just like it's genius, Axe. And then they just decided to just bury it into the ground by saying it 20 times, and you could just tell they
0: just they fell in love with
3: that term. Fo just doge.
0: Um, so this is the first time the tag team titles have ever been defended in a three-on-two match, and Fuji is wrestling with the powers of pain, Warlord, and the Barbarian, and Gorilla <laughs> calls them a mongrel team, which I just love, too. <laughs> right off the bat. Um, Demolition's all over them early. Gorilla wonders if the powers of pain are overwhelmed by the big stage of WrestleMania. <laughs> he, uh, he says it happened to him his first time. He at pitched Madison. that. He pitched
3: that a couple times during. The yeah,
0: season. which I kind of, I kind of like. Um, it's it's a little something different, you know. It's like okay, it it feels a little real. I just love the banter. Like I said, it's something like this, or the way they talk about the bear hug, or or just things that we don't really hear the announcers say uh, a whole lot nowadays. So. It, it's good to me. It just kind of gives you that, that little bit more real feel. Um, uh, Jesse said, uh, It happened more than once from what I hear, Gorilla. <laughs> and uh, Gorilla said that you got nervous at Madison Square Garden his first time. So Fuji comes in. They have the advantage. He, that's when he comes in. You know, he'll do things like one or two little moves, then get out of the ring. Um, Warlord is holding Smash. And then Fuji goes to throw salt in his eyes. And you know what happens when somebody gets some salt in their eyes. Yeah, Smash is. Done he is done beam And uh, he moves it nails Warlord he's walked he's uh, He's knocked out forever so uh, Yeah warlords done smash was the one Who moved out of the way demolition double teams Fuji they get the win pretty Standard I mean demolition was in charge for most Of this It it really I guess wasn't Even as competitive as I kind of remember it being
3: Warlord and Barbarian got to be on the list of like most jack tag team of all time, right? Those guys are monsters. At this time, too. At this, yeah, Warlord. Warlord, I don't think could lift his arm over his like over parallel. Like, he, their, his shoulders are too buff.
0: We got uh the Barbarian Danny, who would later become, I think, even Sione. Later at one time, he he went and had a main event title match in WCW with Ron Simmons. Warlord had a decent feud with the Bulldog a couple years from now, but I don't know. Like I, I always wanted to like this team a little bit more, but they were I don't know. They just didn't really do it for me. Powers of Pain, Demolition. On the other hand, they were awesome. Uh,
4: de- 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 demolition, uh, some of the all time greats. Powers of Pain looked great, but. Uh... I think they were better apart, honestly. And you remember they? Yep. Speaking of managers, they you know when they when these two broke up, it wasn't like they fought or anything. It's just uh, I think Bobby Heenan uh, kept one, and uh, was it Slick took the Warlord? It's like we sold you know, new contracts. We're new guys managing them now.
0: So demolition, still your champs. Here we get to a uh, Tony Schiavone. He's backstage Macho Man in his locker room, and Macho Man, this is. I forgot how good he was in this show. I mean, even these little little parts when they go they, they go back to him, and he's like crazy going around his locker room, like running around, just screaming to himself, "No, no, I'm not gonna talk to you." It was Elizabeth Hogan. Oh, like he's just going ballistic. It is awesome. He's just an, such an incredible performer. And um, he tra- Tony tries to go in, Macho shoots him down. Um, up next, we get a match that. Oh, cool. And, Gino,
3: can I say something about please, Macho real please quick? please do. I feel like, you know know how a horse runs off in post parade, they left their race on the warm up track. That was Macho. Like if he was pacing around like that for three hours before that show, I mean, (laughs) how is he not? He he was way too intense for, I mean, you know, Jake, the snake before his show, we're getting ready for the, you know, he's doing this, he's doing it right. I think Macho, I think Macho ran his race before he got into the ring.
0: A little washed out when, uh, when, when he got there. Yeah. So Macho in his big, big night, we'll see him in a bit in the main event. Dino Bravo with Frenchie Martin with uh, versus rugged Ronnie Garvin, who was the former NWA champion. Yes, rugged Ronnie Garvin, Garvin, who beat Ric Flair for the NWA title. He, um, and this was weird too because they announced Superfly before their match. That was like, the strangest thing of the whole show. So and this weird, is a Show right? loaded with strange things, right? I mean, it's just like if you're gonna bring him out and wave to the the crowd or something, that's fine. But like, why, like in the middle of the match, it was almost Maybe like they're they... like.
3: Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was
0: gonna say maybe they were thinking they were gonna ignite a feud with Bravo or something. I don't know, but it just it felt really out of place.
3: And I was, was thinking, the- I was, I was thinking maybe they thought it was just the worst match on the card, so let's give it something to <laughs> yeah. at least to do.
4: Yeah, plus, you know, enough going on on the show already. Is uh, Superfly really gonna get a pop in front of
0: a papered crowd <laughs> at a casino? Good, no, good, good point too. This is probably not the best spot to bring him back to get the kind of reaction that you want for him because that's what we see with the crowd. They're hot. For just a major, major babyface spots This isn't like a smart crowd or a sharp crowd Or um, a crowd who probably would have been really hot to see uh, Jimmy Snuka come back So I mean, these two guys are all punches, chops, power moves um, Jesse and Gorilla start to argue about Dino Bravo and his limitations on his strength It's unlimited Gorilla Well no it's not, nobody has limit, unlimited strength It's unlimited Gorilla <laughs> back and forth and then Dino hits a side suplex He gets a quick win, it's three minutes Garvin atta- uh, attacks Dino In Frenchy post-match, he gets the Garvin Stomp in, but this was like another one Jason, where it's like, if you take Give me a couple more minutes in the Twin Towers Match, you know what I mean? Like, with, yeah, the, yeah. with the, the, o- the only,
3: As you said, Jesse is, uh one of the stars of this thing, and when he when he starts talking about his earrings being made of diamonds and stones, <laughs> and like to me, that's the best. That's the thing I remember about this match is like Jesse just having funny lines about yeah. gorilla. My earrings are made of diamonds and stones. Why I'd be an idiot to throw them out the the people or whatever.
0: So, uh, Danny, what'd you think here?
4: Um, no, nah, I thought a uh, couple <laughs> couple of guys I wasn't too into at any point ever. So
0: me too. No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Too. We don't have to spend more time on it than that. Um, we, it's, you know, and there's you get these little small runs you forget about with the Brainbusters, you know, like uh, Arna Henderson and Tully Blanchard here in the WWF for their little uh, little run they had, and they're with Bobby the Brain, and they're against Strike Force. And this is the newly reunited strike force With Tito Santana and Rick Martel The only thing that uh, bummed me out about this match Is we didn't get a whole lot of, uh, of Chico You know, we got the Chicos But we didn't get really like any of the Mexican You know, uh, or like go to Mexico references Not a whole lot But um, I think that's more because they were telling the story of This is where Rick Martel becomes the model he's, He turns and after this he's going to be the, the model Rick Martel and th- But this is good um, this is a good tag match. You have four guys that are really solid workers. Martel gets the Boston Crab in early, and then both guys, uh, Martel and Tito, they lock in figure fours on Arn and Tully, and then Arn uses the eye poke a couple different times. Tito goes for the flying forearm, Tully ducks, and then that's when Tito nails Martel, and that's basically what gets this team to break up. Martell says, you know, afterwards he'd been carrying Tito and this and that. Um, so it's basically Tito getting his. His butt kicked for the you know the, the majority of this match hot tags in and out from the other side and um, um, Chico crawls over to Martel who's a little shaken up but he refuses the tag he throws his hands at Tito and he walks away a few more minutes of back and forth. they hit this double team spiked pile driver for the win that looked rough and um, and that's the match brainbusters versus a strike force.
4: Yeah, and the, the spike pile driver looked like a murder, death, kill type finisher back in that era. Oh, like, it, like, it, there, there's, there's no coming back from that. And I mean, this is one half of uh, of the of the four horsemen, the mm-hmm. raiders And uh, you you know, and I'm, I don't know if you were uh, an NWA guy back in the uh, back in the '80s, either of you. But I I, yeah, I didn't know who these guys were, but uh, yeah, yeah. La- later on, I would kind of realize wow these guys uh yep did a year in the wwf and i remember I,
3: I remember thinking they were like just old guys that i yeah. didn't know about and, and i remember being kind of annoyed by it the thing about this match is actually the post match for me is mean gene gets like real indignant and mad at martel instead yeah. of just being I, like be a journalist mean gene like don't don't you know ask the question give the man a chance to respond but mean gene gets mad at him he's mad he's pissed
0: yeah he's, he says um uh, you know, Rick is sick and tired of Tito. He doesn't want to be associated with that luger uh, Tito anymore. And he mentions his timing was way off. And Mean Gene says, "You were supposed to be a team, damn it!" You know, he even says, "Damn it!" I think, and he yeah, he has really... he gets real mad. Yeah, he's not Bobby the Brain in the broadcast journalism. Let's be honest. No, you he's know... a broadcast <laughs> I, I use that every once in a while. I'll say I'm a broadcast <laughs> journalist for God's sake. <laughs> Which I mean because I'm doing 92 rumble Also right now preparing for that one so Just getting the array of, uh, of Stuff from Bobby and, and the, the flair Stuff there is, is absolutely incredible um, But the, yeah the Model's born so then after this I mean uh, Tito and, and Martell Have feuds for like the next three or Four years really like almost as long as they're Both in the in WWF It's like a go-to match that they could just Throw on Raw sometime or the, a, a Superstars and whenever they need to fill Fill a little time and then we can spend as least amount of time as this on possible. I just want to mention some of the uh, the, the specifics. So this is the Piper Pit segment. Brother Love comes out to mock Piper's Pit. He pretends to be rowdy. He interviews himself, and then Morton Downey Jr. comes out smoking. He's doing his shtick. He's a famous like DJ, and he's got a show where he would he would. Just be a dick to people basically He would bring people on, their show, on his show He'd try to get them to like fight with each other He'd try to rile them up and then he'd blow smoke in their face And He was kind of like anti-authority guy You know in the late 80s And his big right. shtick Was blowing smoke in people's faces So there It takes 7 minutes For the two of them before Piper even comes out And yeah. the 7 minutes feels like It's 15 to 20 Then Piper comes out He's actually asking Brother Love questions and doing the old Piper thing where he's cutting him off before he can answer. After seven more minutes of Piper in love bro- going back and forth, Piper rips off Brother Love's kilt and then he throw you know Brother Love's in his undies and he runs down. And then Downey Jr. blows smoke in Piper's face. Piper asks him not to. He calls him Morticia. Even like the Piper stuff isn't good. It's not funny. It's not creative. It's not sharp. And it, I mean it was 20 minutes From the Piper douses him With the fire extinguisher when he ends up Blowing smoke in his face it's such a waste Of time from the intro To the end of this segment it is over 23 minutes long It's 10% of the show It's, it's just crazy to think about that Terrible Yeah. Danny have you Watched this, this the same thing with like the run DMC Is this one of those things that you've like never watched again Since the first time you unfortunately had to Sit through it
4: all right, now, now you're, you're going to get a, a contrarian opinion from me on this one. Uh oh. I'll, I'll take
0: I'll I take.
4: agree that it went on way too long. Uh, granted on that. However, I watched Morton Downey Jr. in the 80s, got a huge kick out of him. Brother Love, one of my favorite characters of all time. And uh, Roddy Piper, one of the best. I don't hate this. I,
0: I get okay. a kick out of the segment every time. That's loving it. That's loving maybe
3: it. It's a, maybe gonna, uh,
0: okay.
4: it's a generational thing. I love you, Danny. <laughs> and uh, no, no. This, this is a kilt. That's a skirt. <laughs> I, I, gotta, I get a kick out of this, so sue me.
0: The one thing that I when we we're talking about, like sad stuff, you know, when, when you look back at some of these things. So Morton Downey Jr. died of lung cancer.
4: Yeah, and he it, his thing was uh, the smoke. A lot of you don't. He just would smoke incessantly, blow smoke in people's uh, faces. Got diagnosed with lung cancer, and he did a one eighty. I know the last few years yep. of his life, he was a, uh, like, he, a like a like an act-
0: like a spokesperson <laughs> against it. Yeah. So exactly. it's just what a crazy, weird, like messed up bit of irony in that like the thing that is your gimmick forever. And 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 I'm saying that we are stupid at this point, but like we didn't know at, like what we know about smoking now, you know, in the late 80s. I mean, my grandma walked around my house smoking a lot when I was a kid and it wasn't thought of that big of a deal. You know, um and and things really changed on that like into the <laughs> early 90s and moving forward. Um but yeah, just it's sad and w- another one of those like we like it or not, you definitely will remember this damn segment and uh and we got to see Piper again and and uh, we get to go from Piper to Jake the Snake. Um, first, we get Mean Gene backstage. Can't can't forget this. So, couple couple things first. We before we get there. So, Mean Gene's backstage with a sneak preview of No Holds Bars, starring Hulk Hogan as Rip. Danny, this movie. I'm gonna mention. I'm gonna get to you first, Danny. This movie is one of those weird ones where It's so bad it's actually Had like a cult following over the last Like decade or so because it's so Bad people just love watching it To just point out how atrocious It is with Rip and uh They they basically had this storyline come to life But you know what you're gonna give me A wrestling movie you're gonna give me Hulk Hogan As a kid I watched this damn movie So many times over and over And over Uh,
4: Me too and uh I kind of, kind of loved it at the time, and the irony <laughs> is, yep, yeah, turned out to be the best of the uh, Hulk Hogan stars. It really movies. did. By a country mile. Yeah. Uh, and you, you know, did did Vince kind of invent the UFC in this
0: movie? Batman, Seriously, guys. And Vince um, put a lot of money into this um, as well. And Jason, I mean, this was, I think, the first of. You know, actually, I guess the second he'd been in Rocky Three prior to this, but then you got a, uh, you know, Mister Nanny Santa with muscles, Suburban Commando. After this, some real classics from Hulk, uh. He's definitely not the Rock when you compare IMDb's.
3: Don't forget Tropical, what something Tro- in Paradise, Thunder in
0: Paradise. Thunder yeah, and Par- that was the show though. I, <laughs> I think it was a I movie, wa- and then the show it, it got expanded yeah. into the show on a uh, TNT because that. When he went over and and started with WCW when he was doing that show for them,
3: yeah, okay, Yes. Yeah. I watched the the movie we're talking about no old bar, but like I think I watched it, you know, when I was ten and and that was about it. so i I really don't have I have memory vague memories of Zeus, but that's about
0: it. So we get to Sean Mooney with Donald Trump. They talk about what brought mania to the city. And uh, they mentioned gambling. And then they get back to Jesse And Jesse is pissed He is freaking pissed Hulk Hogan You are stepping into my territory And he's pissed that Hogan's in a movie I mean he is Furious here and then you could tell The I don't know if, I mean, obviously this was something he was supposed to do and he was into it, but the whole rest of the show, he keeps, he makes like three or four more references. And yeah. then even after the main event, he starts talking about how he has to come back in. So this ruffled some, uh, some Jesse feathers, Jason.
3: Yeah. The, uh, I want to go back to the, uh, Mooney and Trump. Yes. Uh, Mooney, Mooney seems really nervous like, oh, yeah. in this interview and he's, he's kind of stammering a little bit and, and, you know, he's, he's usually fine. I mean, uh, to me, he was kind of that perfect. Interviewer type that you just don't notice at all, and in this in this spot, I remember he he seemed really nervous. I mean, he wasn't the president then, so I, I mean, he's just a rich guy, but uh, yeah, like he he legit seems washed out about it.
0: Um, yeah. Anything uh, that sparks your fancy about these few things, Danny? Uh,
4: no, I I don't think I necessarily got what Jason got there.
0: Yeah. Um... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we. We get to some footage of the Mega Powers build up. We got the uh, their ma- so a lot of their matches together. Saturday Night's main event, Survivor Series stuff. Savage turning on Hulk after Hulk carries Elizabeth out, and uh, and then Hulk cuts a promo with me Gene, and uh, he sort of takes a little dig at Macho earlier, s- early saying, you know, when they were running together, the Mania was ahead of the Madness, and uh, and then he really like navigates through their whole story. And at one point he call he goes to do his brother and he says mother on accident and he has to catch himself mother a brother and he says and then uh he really goes off he loves talking about these weird like foundation of the building with Donald Trump and remember the year before he's doing the paddle back and this one isn't quite as like memorable but he's definitely getting into some weird foundation of the building stuff and Trump but um I guess it's a pretty pretty standard Hogan promo.
3: I can't wait for him to do the back pedal. Me too. The
0: back, I, I wouldn't have
4: that's the back my favorite pedal line from that the,
0: Off the camera, right off yeah. the screen. It's amazing. Um, and then we get uh, Andre versus Jake with Big John Studd as a special guest ref. And Andre looks massive. Uh, poor guy. He's so hunched over. And this is, I believe this is the last time we see him in a singles capacity. Um, I think after this, it's all Haku, tag, right? tag teams, and then colossal. Yeah, tag. I think the Survivor Series tag team, and then Colossal uh, Connection with Haku, and then maybe just showing up uh, to wave uh, here and which there. Was but, a high, which was a Haku solo team, basically. Which, oh yeah, he doesn't even. He doesn't even get out of the ring in that uh, one match of Mania Six. Literally, yeah. he doesn't. Andre never even tags in. I had forgot about that until doing the rewatch. And I gotta say, knowing what we know about the the where Andre was physically in this match, he does an amazing job getting through about ten minutes. And and as a kid, we not knowing that Andre is not not going to be around very much longer. He really does like he he's doing the Andre stuff, you know. He's a, like a, a lot of the just the hits, the chaps, the punt, like the 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 pokes, and he's you know n- nothing really wrestling wise at all. He can't really get off the ground, you know, you can't really get knocked down and get back up here. But this this was okay to me. Actually one a couple things I pointed out too when Andre came out, the crowd was pretty silent. I, st- yeah, no I still music don't... either, right? Yeah. And I don't think they liked booing Andre a whole lot. It was weird because this guy was like an attraction for so long and and then and, and this crowd, I don't think they know knew what to do really with Andre. Um I think-
4: easier to boo him against a guy like Hogan than a guy like uh, Jake the Snake also.
0: Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, like Hogan you're going to boo kind of whoever's the anti-Hogan. Um but for with Jake, he's kind of a bad guy a little in himself. And um the when Andre uh, when Big John Stud comes out, I loved I love the the discussion that Gorilla and Jesse were having. They talk about where these guys have to go to get weighed. <laughs> and yeah. Gorilla Gorilla says he used to have to go to the truck stops. Um and Andre attacks Jake immediately. Um, they had the they had the turnbuckle pad removed, which was cool, uh, because it's like you got a special guest ref who's brought, who's not going to check for that thing. So immediately they you know slam Jake into the, the exposed steel, and and Andre's got the advantage early. He's got his hits, his chokes, his strikes. A little small flurry from Jake. Andre, like always, gets the tied up in the rope spot where Jake kind of chokes him out. And <clears throat> and in the crowd, like anytime Jake goes to tease for that snake. And I mean this in a PG sense So get your minds out of the gutters folks Um, The crowd goes insane And uh, Andre gets Untied He's back in charge Um, Jake turns it around So this is decent back and forth He puts Andre into the exposed turnbuckle And then Jake gets knocked outside Andre and Stud start to get into it And uh, Jake gets the snake And then from behind the million dollar man comes out He takes the snake from Jake He runs down the aisle so what I loved about this too is We knew that the Million Dollar Man And Andre Have a past We know that and then this kind of Sparks a Million Dollar Man Jake feud here moving forward So this did a lot of good things um, To kind of keep stories moving forward And the one thing I love too So uh, Jake wins by DQ while Andre's choking Big John Studd And uh, you know Jake gets the snake back He comes back and he staves John Studd and then Jesse asks why did he get DQ'd while jo- like Andre's Choking the referee out It's just <laughs> like, it was just like oh, Really? Um, so uh, Andre Jake with, with Big John Studd in Here who Andre had the built in feud with um, I thought this could Have been a lot worse than it was Jason
3: yeah, no, it was entertaining, and, uh, you know, they kind of put Stud over quite a bit, you know, how big he is and how strong he is and all that kind of stuff, so, you know, I think it was kind of fun for him, and um, I, he didn't, he's another one that didn't live much longer past this, right? No. Yeah, it's... and so I, w- I wonder if it was a little bit of that, like, hey, let's just give this guy who was, you know, kind of an attraction for us a little bit of a bone here, uh, you know, I don't know if they knew he was sick or whatnot, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought it was, it was fun. It was at least something a little bit unique, in in a card of where there was a lot of fun unique.
4: Yeah, and, and and seeing Andre, no matter what state he was in, it's it's always an attraction. He's always one of the Mount Rushmore pro wrestling guys, and
0: yeah.
3: When and his his whole ending is so sad too that like yeah. now you look back
0: and it's like oh Andre. And, and what I, I kind of like them, knowing this, it adds a little bit to this match when I watch it, Andre hated Big John Studd in <laughs> real life. He hated anybody else who was considered a giant, yeah. or any of the other big guys because he was the giant. He did not like you. He loved working with the small guys, just what you had said kind of at the beginning, Jason he hated a good, macho, right? He didn't He, he didn't love macho. Yeah. He did not. He loved Brett. He loved working with Brett. Or no, no. he, he didn't like macho as much. He really didn't like the Warrior. That was the one. I think he was okay with Macho, but he hated the warrior. I think what he didn't like with Macho was the Liz stuff. Because he was he was friends with Liz. He kind of befriended her. And uh, he didn't like the way Macho would treat Liz a little bit. But he he would just go sour a lot of the times too. You know, he was big, things were hard for him. It was hard just getting around. He'd be not feeling good someday, his back was not going good, and then it'd be like, Uh oh. Hopefully Andre's gonna gonna work with us here. And so when he's just choking big John Stud, I'm like wondering sometimes how uh How hard he was choking him there. Maybe there's a little bit extra there. I'm the big man, you know? And um, poor Big John. So uh, Sherry cuts a promo on Rock and Robin's awful singing, and then uh, Miss Elizabeth. And so we kind of get the the little tease that you know we're going to see Sherry now in the future with the with the Macho Man. We end up seeing. him. See, I was and,
3: I was thinking there was going to be a, a women's match when me too. she started talking about me it. Too. and too. And there's not. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it would have made sense because Sherry was a former women's champ too. Or and so she was she's actually good in the ring. We see the way she bumps yeah, all over really. the place. She's she's excellent. Um, we get a tag team match, Rhythm and Blues. They're not Rhythm and Blues yet. They don't mention that. Uh, Greg the Hammer and. Honky tonk versus the heart foundation And you know what this is a pretty Good match this is like honky And Greg are good in a Tag team especially against like a babyface Tag team like this you got a quick start for the heart Foundation hammer comes in They talk about the fact that these two were both Former IC title holders And I think they got a good uh, Dig on Pat Patterson when uh yeah. Gorilla mentioned what a relic he is <laughs> Yeah yeah he was probably laughing Backstage and they were you know they were probably Having fun with him and um and act uh, hey Jason, we talk about this a lot. Gorilla, he cut his time in half this time. He would always say that th- that uh Greg the Hammer needed about fifteen minutes to get warmed up. This time he said seven or eight minutes. <laughs> well he's
3: and he said it about Garvin earlier in the in the yeah. card.
0: Yeah, you're right. And, and yeah,
3: no, I, I I always think that's a fun drinking game is like take a shot, whatever Gorilla says, mentions that, you know, H- hammer takes a while to get warmed up, which is such a, a weird thing, like in a you know, in a cardiovascular kind of thing, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, 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 I just go straight down. I don't warm up. I go, yeah. you know, but no, I, I actually disagreed a little bit, Gino, in the sense that I didn't think honky and hammer were just all that interesting together. And, and especially the rhythm and blues thing, I thought was just,
0: Oh, that was horrible. Co-
3: corny, but I don't know. And maybe I, I hold that a, against them, but, um, I, I, did, I did I did, think of uh, – I always wondered if uh, if either Gorilla stole it from Ed Burgard or Ed Burgard stole from him, like getting stronger as the race gets longer. Like that's kind of what <laughs> they're saying about uh, Greg the Hammer, right? So maybe, maybe Eddie B is like a wrestling uh, uh, icon. You know, you
4: don't appreciate it till you see Greg Valentine versus Bruno Sammartino, one of the 60-minute draws from
0: the Boston Gardens.
3: Oh, I mean yeah. that just sounds like hammer locks and uh, arm right. bars
0: for 20 minutes, yeah. <laughs> Magical elbows though you know you're going to get some of those Magical elbows too with the hammer Um yeah I think like I definitely Didn't like them and as, as rhythm and, and they got Into rhythm and blues I think I just like In particular this match surprised me In that it really wasn't bad I, I kind of see Honky and, and like Greg a little bit later And then figure that like okay your work's not going to be that great but th- I didn't mind this match they worked on Brett For a while and um Gorilla, they talk about finishing moves because at one point honky hits his little finisher, but he doesn't, doesn't go for the pin.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah. And um uh, and Jesse and Gorilla talk about it, and Gorilla um they talk about Gorilla Splash and uh, and Jesse says, I need to be 72 to know about that. And then Gorilla says he's rapidly approaching, so there's more with that uh that yeah. age stuff that they've been having fun with, but um lots of the heels cheating that you would expect. And then it actually ends up working against them. The Anvil gets a hot tag He's chasing Jimmy Hart around. Who drops the megaphone? Anvil picks it up, tosses it to Brett. He nails Honky from the back for the win.
3: Did Brett ever get a hot tag? He, it, it always seems like Never. Brett was
0: always the one getting beat up. Always and, the seller.
3: I, yeah, I, I have a greater appreciation for the Anvil since he passed away, and I, I I don't mean that from a you know morbid sense, but Brett paid so much nice tribute to him uh, after his passing, and it. It, you know, and Brett obviously has such a high status that, like, it, every time I see them together now, it, like, uh, I just I smile a little bit more than I maybe used to because I was always a Brett guy, not an Anvil guy.
4: Anvil came across also like this, just freaking lunatic. Well, you get yeah. which uh, in, in that role and you know juxtaposed against Brett, just uh, that's part of what made the Heart Foundation so special.
0: Anvil's a perfect. Tag like he's just a perfect tag wrestler Or a perfect part of a Of a, a group right like he He wouldn't have been a lot less interesting On his own um not less Interesting because he's kind of got a fun little like Little he, he can kind a of fun promo And he's got his fun laugh But he just wouldn't have been able to get you 10 to 15 minutes by himself in the ring like Him coming in with that hot tag was perfect You have the worker with Brett like they were such A great tag team together Um and uh, I agree you even watch the Royal Rumble 2, which I'm I'm looking at now, and he's in a match with the New Foundation with Owen Hart against the Orient Express to open the show, and with it is baggy pants. Yeah, and it's damn good, yeah. and they really know how to sell for um for Jim. Like every time he does the shoulder block, they go flying, and that's the match when Brain when Bobby's calling him nuts every two seconds. He's nuts. He's nuts. He's nuts. This guy is nuts. I think it was seven when I was counting uh, how many times he actually said uh, nuts in that match. So um, love when I get to see the the Heart Foundation on my TV here. And uh, we get to footage of the Warrior and uh, Rude build up here. So it's Rick Rude versus the Ultimate Warrior for the Intercontinental Championship. This started back in, I think, the Royal Rumble when they had the pose off. And of course, um, when uh, whenever there's going to be some kind of a... A pose off or an arm wrestling contest or some uh, contract signing the heel is going to attack the baby face and have the advantage. So we set up Warrior Rude and we get the. This is a, a pretty good Rude one. And one of the best parts about Rude is when he comes out and, you know, in the entrance, what I'd like to have right now is all you Atlantic City sweat hogs to keep the noise down while I take my robe off and give the ladies a look at the sexiest man alive. We got some all-time great ones from uh, from Rude Jason. He is awesome when he comes out and just insults him with like a weird, weird insult. He's a he's a top guy for me, like ever. I I
3: just think he's so good. Um, you know, he just moves so well. He he he's one of those guys that like whenever he took a, a like a backdrop, like he would just get extra high and like just little stuff like that that I used to you know like Mr. Perfect. I think is the best getting thrown out of the ring guy ever because he kicks his feet up but just a little extra and mm-hmm. it just does something and uh i i love the tights i mean the the whole thing with his tights when he had you know jake's wife on the one time but this time had the inner kind of belt. i'm just i'm a i'm a huge huge rick rude uh guy
0: from this era danny doesn't it feel like rude it's one, rude feels to me like one of those guys that like, they feel like they were around for longer than they were Because we were young and everything was, like, you know, felt, like, bigger But you, when you look back at the grand scheme of things He really wasn't WWF for all that long But he made a dent, and his best stuff was with the Warrior by far
3: Danny's uh, on mute
0: Uh-oh Sorry about that <laughs> There you I, go
4: No r- worries Rookie mistake here with you know, with a couple of pros but, It's okay, don't you worry Um, just 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 saying, uh yeah, and Rude always, uh, you know, just just brought it and uh, m- made an impression, even on a chubby little, uh, you know, eleven year old or ten year old like me, you know, whatever it was at the time I was watching. And uh, you know, here, here, here's this Adonis calling me out. You know, I, I hate you, Rick Rude, but uh, <laughs> but he did his job. Uh, he right? did like it that. Job, he did it great. But I was absolutely flabbergasted that he could ever beat the Ultimate Warrior. Me too. I mean, and by
3: the way, like the, the
4: perfect interference of Bobby Heenan to pull it off.
3: Well, that final move, like Rude, about took a neckbreaker on that. Yeah, because uh, it's kind of a tough spot to do, right? You have to get up into the the suplex, but then fall. Like Rude ends up landing
0: like straight on his head, on it his head. Scary. Like a D, it was yeah. almost like a DDT. Yeah, yeah. like a swinging DDT because he had to go for the cover like immediately while Bobby was holding on the leg. So the finish is really sharp, and I mean the one. Thing about like th- that when you hear People they talk about the warrior as a worker And again I mean Jason Like we're looking at the matches and the Shows that we've talked about like Every SummerSlam 92 he's do- Doing good stuff he's kind of Damn good match here again yeah. and I mean w- we got Rude with the belt airbrushed on the front of his tights And then warrior's face on his butt which he Always had the great uh, tights airbrushed Warrior with the sprint to the ring And warrior is just Tossing him around early and Jesse's Jesse's worried Because he's picked Rude and he's worried And uh, then we get a poke in the eye from Rude And a drop kick Off the top rope which was Awesome like really really Good to see from Rude how athletic he was um, then, then it started to really Go back and forth and the crowd chanting Weasel as um, they talk About how Bobby the Brain needs to get his gold He wants to get a, a belt into the Heenan Family and and then Jesse, like this is something that you always point out too, Jason. You know when Morella's in there, that Jesse's gonna oh, rip yeah. on him every time. He got him.
3: He got he got him earlier in the night. I actually made a note about it somewhere, but I, I forget what it was. But uh, yeah, he. Yeah. I, I always get a kick out of that now because you you know you obviously know it's Gorilla Sun, and you don't know that it was the it was the Rockers Big Guys one. Uh, Jesse get, call, calls him and he goes, "That idiot Morella," <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and what I imagine is Vince. Telling Jesse to do that. Yes. And Gorilla just being like Vince,
0: screw you. Shaking his head like Vince, come on, man. But uh always we always get that when uh when they're when Morella Joey Morella's refing one of the matches. So um Warrior misses a splash and this was great. Gorilla says he hits too many he hit too many ropes and got confused and Jesse says it doesn't take much to confuse the warrior. And then uh, uh, Rude nails a pile driver. He has the advantage and Warrior is noticeably you know war- getting slower now, getting worn down. Not like bad in the match, but you could tell that it's taken him out. You know, Rude's been working on him for a while. It's taken his toll. Um and Warrior Goes for a suplex He goes to suplex Rude from the outside of the ring He's on the ring apron Over the ropes inside And while he does that Bobby grabs his ankles The warrior's ankles And it causes warrior to fall And Rude to fall on top of him For the one, two, three. I mean we talked about it right at the beginning of the match It looked good it looked awesome. It was really smooth. Bobby's, like, leaning down, bending down, and holding on to the, the feet as hard as he can, like all of his might. And he is pumped. Afterwards, um, Bobby with the win. And, well, then, and they, uh, ma-
3: they make Bobby kind of one of the storylines, right? Yes. Like throughout the thing, will Bobby get the, Which, again, as a Root fan, kind of annoyed me because it almost felt like he was, was becoming more... Like hit the it was more about Bobby the than in a title, yep. yeah, yeah, and uh which you know Bobby obviously deserves a lot of plaudits, but um, I don't know yeah that that, that part was a little bit, but I mean i I think that's why you know, that's why they do that, the finish and how they did was because Bobby was supposed to be kind of the big thing, and maybe it was just a payoff for years and years of uh, of not winning him
0: this I mean, Danny, we said it, like we will look back, I feel like. I should be seeing more bad Warrior matches. I haven't, like, in the big moments, he, he, I haven't really seen a whole lot of them. He was good with Rude.
4: No, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a staunch Warrior defender. Uh, not every guy is going to go out there and have uh, you know what uh, modern fans are going to consider a four- or five-star match every time. Uh, but you wrestle to uh, what the occasion is or what, what the story is you're trying to tell. And, uh, you know, on the big nights, Warrior... You know, he, he had some great dance partners, but, uh, but he, he delivered and he built his if, weight. Yes. Out there on a Superstars or a Saturday night's main event, he, he doesn't have to do more than a three minute squash. That's what got him over.
0: I mean, Warrior continues to impress me on these rewatches um, each and every time. Another big match and a big moment where he really stepped up here. And, um, you know, this is 1989. The next year is going to be the biggest moment of his career and a really really good match again with Hulk Hogan in the main event. So uh great job by Warrior, great job by Rude and Bobby uh with uh, with everything involved in this match here. And um, what a uh what a
3: different place the Warriors in from WrestleMania 4 to 5. Same location but like the makeup's better. Their outfits are better. His you know love, his, yeah. his pop is better. Everything is better like his
0: he's match such a far cry from better. where he was. Yeah, from it's just a, a year point.
3: before. Yeah.
0: Seeing people develop is another one of my favorite things that I've been kind of being able to see in these in these few like you see someone like the warrior and that Jason the, the what you just mentioned it's almost as big as like when you look at the rock from like 96 to 97 in one of those, yeah. you kind of see him go from, or it's, I think it's ninety seven to ninety eight, where you see him go from, you know, Rocky via good guy in the IC title against the Sultan, and then ninety eight, he's like talking trash to Jennifer Flowers, you know, like. Well, I mean, Stone Cold
3: too, right? Yeah. I mean, when he was just stunning Steve, like I mean, he was, he was no different than anybody, and and then he was a world superstar.
0: Seeing the the greats and how much they can do in just one year to the next, or one, you know, a, a little bit of a time period, and uh. Um, yeah, I'm really, really impressed again with the warrior. Um, we get to bad news round versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and you know, I liked both of these guys. I love Duggan. He has a great place, babyface guy, really, really cool. I just felt like a bad match, mismatch. It, like well, you it's said, the, it's, and,
3: the cl- it's the classic okay, we got to get something, we got to cool the crowd down a little bit from the big inner IC to the title. I mean, it's it's the, uh, you know, it's the uh, Bumblebees versus uh, Nikolai and Sheik yep. at WrestleMania. Yep. 3. You know, it's you're just, right, you're it's right. It's that in-between, get us to the finals thing. We got to set up, the, you know, the crowd a little bit.
0: It's a double DQ, Danny, where... Um... Bad news. He teases walking out a few times, which is weird. You know, it's like, okay, and then um he it's just all punches, it's all big man offense. The one thing I liked is that uh Jesse keeps keeps saying not to go after Hacksaw's head. He's that's the hardest part of that idiot's body. And uh, um bad news. You, goes you're for not the- gonna
3: scramble those brains. They're already scrambled.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um other than that, Danny, I just not not much. Kind of like a a match that I almost for, I forget about. Like I I forget about that this match being on the card.
4: No, may, maybe uh, you know these guys at another time on another show could have put on something different. But uh, yep. this was this was a cool down match. Hey
3: yep. Gino, can I mention something about the rude match real quick? Please do. Afterwards, they play the Warriors music. Oh like, yeah, because it's because he kind of gets the upper up hand up on Bobby. Bobby or whatever. That's yeah, what happens. Yeah, but like yeah. it seems so bonkers to play the guy who just lost his titles. Music, You're like right. I know they do that sometimes, you know, after a DQ or whatever. But but not a street loss. Yeah, like it, I I just found that really weird. And,
2: and so, Rude has such
0: great music too. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that too because now. What ended up happening after that was Bobby. All throughout the night, they had been talking about how busy Bobby was going to be. That was kind of the running theme on this show: is that he was going to be, you know, out of the ring a lot, and he was actually going to have to wrestle in a match against the Red Rooster. So in this match at the end, he gets slammed. Warrior beats him up. So Bobby is obviously going to be selling that injury when we see him in just a minute, which is next. We get the Red Rooster with a quick promo, um, and um, we get the Rooster. Versus Bobby, and, and the Brooklyn Brawler is following Bobby to the ring, so he's like in, in Bobby's corner. I love that Bobby is wearing the Andre singlet, singlet the one yeah. strap. That's always what I remember about him. And you know, say what you want about Bobby, this match literally went thirty seconds, thirty-one seconds. Um, well,
4: if Bobby, Bobby so more offense if he didn't, uh, you know, get the tar beat out of him by the Ultimate Warrior five minutes before. Exactly, it made sense. Bobby's ready for this.
0: It it made sense, and I think for whatever reason, if the show was running long, they wanted to be quick, or even if this was just a plan all along, just like okay, hey, let's get Bobby. He gets beat up after we can get this match in and out. You get the Rooster to get a squash, but this just does very little. Um, It's you know, it's just to get the one up on Bobby. But Bobby had Bobby could care less. He had his big moment right before this. He is the the manager of the IC champ, Rick Ravishing, Rick rude so um the the rooster gets the quick win and then afterwards the brawler brooklyn brawler ends up beating him up I don't know if this is true. I don't know if either one of you guys have ever heard this story um, either. But I used to watch those, um, and they have them on the WWE Network. They're some of my favorite things: the Legends of Wrestling roundtables, where they would get like Foley and Jim Ross and like Michael Hayes and Jerry Lawler, you know, or you know, four old school guys, and they would have one topic and they'd all talk about it. It'd either be like a show or like a one wrestling Canadians. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. factions or something like that, right? And it it was a ton of fun and Mick Foley tells a story and i don't know if it's true or not but I just it's always stuck with me he said when terry taylor came in he came in with mr perfect and on the same day they decided who mr perfect they, they basically like had mr perfect and the red rooster and, and they mi- almost gave Mr. Perfect to Terry Taylor. Could you imagine, like, the difference between getting those two gimmicks? And who knows if he would have been the Mr. Perfect, because Kurt Henning's awesome. But it's it's crazy, because I always laugh when they talk about how, like, they have, like, the bag gimmicks. But it was like, you get Mr. Perfect, you get the Red Rooster.
4: I, I don't buy that story for a second. I, Kurt Henning, he was an AWA champion before coming in, and just obviously money. And uh, Terry Taylor... Certainly deserved better than the Red Rooster, but either those two
0: weren't interchangeable by any stretch. He, have, he wasn't in Mister Perfect's league, at and in any way, shape, or form. He, I think to me, he was kind of just like generic guy. So, uh, like, I, I don't know. I think I think they did well with the right Mister Perfect, Jason. What do you think?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, we all hindsight, you know, twenty twenty. But he, yeah, you know, the I want to know. I would love to know like who thought of the Red Rooster, like what. The the gimmicks there, kind of starting with him. I mean, honestly, like, because most of the gimmicks were at least, you know, like, okay, uh, you know, Nikolai's a Russian guy. Like they were kind of like vague and yeah. But like once they started getting really specific, like the goon and. Like they just got so silly after a while. Repo like just, Man, uh, who we, we yeah a little yeah bit about. yeah, and, and, and he he kind of did the best he could with that. But I mean, the Red Rooster is just the stupid. Like, okay, this guy walks around and paws. Like that's nuts. That's absolutely insane. And then
0: you know, like who was the dentist guy? Uh, um, Kane. It was uh, yeah. Uh, Dr. It, it was Kane. Um, Doctor Isaac Yankum DDS. Yeah. We yeah. had Duke the like, dumpster. There's no troughs. way that man could. Yeah.
3: Like that's not even believable. Like, of course he's not a dentist.
0: <laughs> there was a Rikishi. He's a congressman know, now, at, isn't he? A <laughs> cane is. Yeah, for sure. At, at one point they had Rikishi in like 1995 as uh, his gimmick was, he was called making a difference fought to. And he was just, like, supposed to be this guy who would, like, go into the community and help the kids and stuff. And, like, it was just
4: <laughs> making a different spot, too.
0: It was like, you're coming up with these
4: just bizarre, bizarre now Hear me gimmicks. out, kid.
0: You're going to go do charity work in the community. <laughs> and he would, like, come to the ring and kind of, like, rap a little bit and clap to the crowd. You know, it was just, oh, oh my man. gosh. I would just laugh at some of these new gimmicks that they would uh, that they would roll out. We had Jean-Fierre Lepe- John. Jean, uh, um, Pierre Lafitte as the pirate He was one of the que- Quebecers who got turned into uh, The pirate, uh, Jean-Pierre Lafitte Also actually had a good match with Brett But uh, yeah, this is definitely kind of the start Of of the gimmicks here As we get set for the main event And yeah, this was a match That was built up for You know, a year and a half We get all the We get a lot of the the backstory We get a lot of the build throughout the show And I mean The match is awesome, Macho, a couple things Before we get started, Um, this is Macho Man Versus Hulk Hogan, and remember Macho Man Won the title a year back, so In this era of wrestling, for Hulk Hogan To have not been the champion for a damn Year, is crazy But he was
3: part of everything
0: No, no, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're absolutely right And he's in the mega powers, everything And that's kind of what was good about This feud, it was like so natural, you could tell That Hogan, even when he didn't want to Or even when you think he didn't want to, he's always kind of Stealing Macho's spotlight, he'd always be there. It was never like they they didn't wear Macho's clothes. They wore Hogan's clothes, right? You know, when they were when they would dress up together or when they would tag team together. So, this um I love this feud. I love everything about it. And I I honestly think this match doesn't get talked about as as well as it should. This is a damn good match. Macho Man is going absolutely ballistic. He's going crazy all, all throughout the match speed-wise. And um, Hogan goes Goes and goes and goes And Hogan is still going at it with a quick pace Like deep into this match um, A couple things I heard Which are are interesting So you know Macho gets introduced first um, Which is weird because you're, it's normally The champ getting introduced uh, last And Jesse makes a point of, of talking about that But if you'll notice When Elizabeth gets introduced the, um, Pat Patterson Walks her down And he's basically got his arms like draped around her. Macho Man was really freaked out about the crowd touching Elizabeth or anyone security guards behind Elizabeth touching her.
3: Well, if you watch number four, she gets like groped every time she comes down in one of the new dresses. And And so so
2: that
3: that crowd uh, was terrible with that stuff. The way the
0: entrance was set up.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, it was only five feet wide. And there's stairs, so you gotta watch You can't like, I mean, the Ultimate Warrior can't do his run down the steps, will fall and
4: break his neck.
0: Um, no. So you, so you, and the thing with Pat, they always joke is like the thing with Pat Patterson is Pat Patterson's gay, and so they, yeah. so they you know, they would say Pat Patterson's definitely not gonna be worried about uh grabbing Elizabeth, you know, <laughs> like so he was the perfect person to have uh um walking her to the ring, so. Right away macho points at Liz He's not happy and that's when Jesse asks Why the champ gets announced first as Hulk Hogan Then comes out and Jesse calls him Lust Hogan There's lust in your eyes Hulk Hogan And uh Jesse is just going at Hulk early about Going after his best friend's girl
2: And um,
0: It was weird I don't know for you Danny and, And Jason maybe it was for Like it was weird for me as a kid Seeing Hulk Hogan involved with a girl because he didn't seem like he seemed like a like a superhero, like man, not somebody man, big, yeah. like in a relationship. I don't know about you, but like when I saw him get involved with the girl and any of this, I loved it. It was great. But it just kind of seemed weird to me because it's like Hulk Hogan dates or like he likes girls. He what? It just in retrospect, he may have been better off if he didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was
3: going to say, Gino, clearly not a Bubba the Love Sponge fan.
4: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <not>, uh... <laughs> set
3: myself up for that one for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um No, but, I you know you know what though? I know what you mean. Like uh I think it's like an 8-year-old kid like you don't care so much about the you know couples and love and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And so maybe it's just as a kid like you just you know, you, you all you care about is Hulk Hogan beating up the bad guy,
0: you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even maybe he sa- saves a damsel in distress or something, but it's like he doesn't kiss her, or like, you know, it's just that I don't know. It was, it's funny to to see that this guy kind of getting um, layers now. Someone who was just this unbeatable, um, you know, hero, Superman. And now he's got these layers with his best friend and the best friend's girlfriend and stuff. So that's why this really did a great job storytelling. Like when you look back at it, it, it was awesome. Um, and Macho's playing a lot of cat and mouse early He's kind of calling to the crowd He's getting the crowd pissed off And Hulk's using his power early on And Macho is just flying I mean he is bouncing around He looks tan And he's distracted by Elizabeth He ends up using her at one point To kind of gain the advantage over Hulk And then he slows things down a little bit The crowd's really getting into it Um, Hogan Hogan Pulls the tights and then Jesse gets pissed He gets all over him using some underhanded Tactics and then I mean we don't see a whole lot of blood in this era Either Hulk gets busting open This is still 10-12 minutes Into the match and they're moving The pace is good it's not like a real Slow down type Hogan versus one of the Big man matches because Macho Is keeping this thing quick He is flying and um, He gets tossed out of the ring and then Liz goes to help him She stands in front of him And um, Hogan goes to slam um, Macho outside the ring But when she steps in he counters And then Macho does the move He goes off the top rope With Hogan draped across the barricade The same move that screwed up the the throat Of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat The larynx of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat A few years back And um, Macho's got the advantage for a while Hogan's down Macho goes up to the top He hits an amazing beautiful flying elbow Jesse thinks this is going to be it But no, Hulk kicks out And he does the patented Hulk up The comeback, the boot, the big leg Jesse is so mad He says, this makes me sick The crowd goes crazy I mean, this is It's not as big as Andre Hulk It's not as big really even as Andre Or as Hulk Warrior In in that the way they put that match together this is a damn good match. This is like one of Hulk Hogan's better matches that you'll find and I mean Macho man does a lot of it. I really like this one on the rewatch, Jason. I um I agree. I
3: did, what what's interesting is I, WrestleMania 4 and 5. I don't I didn't remember a lot about the final matches, the DiBiase, yeah, Macho I agree. and and this one and so, like you know Hulk Andre, I know every beat of it. And I, and I know everything about, you know, just about it. And you, of course, you know, the slam cause you've seen it a thousand times. But, um, I remember as, as I was coming to this match, I was like, I I don't remember anything about this. And like it, with WrestleMania four, like the early tournament matches, I know everything about them. Yep. And, and, and we talked about it. So it's cause we had the disc one of the VHS and not disc two, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was interesting watching back. Cause like I said, I, I just didn't have even macho shorts. Like I was like, Oh, he wore orange shorts. I, I just didn't, remember that
4: Orange shorts i mean it, it got worse from there with the with him with him for the uh, for, for the costumes the next year though but, i always
3: i always liked him with shorts better than pants yeah no
4: definitely um i i kind of thought of it, as it elizabeth just getting in the way left and right yeah. during the match and uh just when I was doing the rewatch on this, it's a savage that kind of like gets her, uh, you know, taken out to the back. And, you know, I was thinking, like, Is that kind of a face move from savage, like, he's a, he, you know, he wants to get her out of harm's way, but Hogan's, uh, you know, he, he he just wants the title.
3: Yeah. She's she's way too damsel in distress in this yeah. match. Like, it's, yeah. it's almost, you know, when, when Macho attacks Hogan on that uh, I don't remember what event it was, but I think it was just a regular week kind of Saturday night main event or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, Liz is just, she's beside herself, you know? And I don't know. It just seems a little too damsel and district. She never says anything. And so never. you just don't know much about her. And then when they do interviews, she's so meek and quiet and, um, you know, so, so yeah, I, I to me, she was a little, I, I know she's part of the a necessary part of the story. And overall, I think she's a, a really neat part of his history, but like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just I wasn't so interested uh, for uh, you know for her in this one.
0: Yeah, she's part of the story, um, and not you know not always adding like a positive to it. We we forget she was just the first girl. We didn't see girl a whole lot, and no one really liked her um, at this in this time period. But when you look back at her, a lot of things too. Yeah, she she. Doesn't really have much personality ever You know we don't really never know A a whole hell of a lot about her Um, But uh I I think Yeah Jason what's funny Like everything you said about not remembering The like a couple of the the matches On this show I felt the same way And I I know I watched this show at least a You know I would rent it back and i would watched it a few Different times but I guess you know in comparison It just wasn't as much as some of the other ones And I don't I didn't remember a whole lot about This this main event match but Damn you get Hulk Hogan you know in a pretty good match and, and he goes just under 18 minutes. Like another guy who gets talked about is not the greatest worker, but I mean, you look at Hulk, you look at warrior in this time period for like a three or four year stretch. They were pretty damn good every time they needed to be. Yeah. This is yeah. Kind, of
4: match, kind, kind of, kind of blood feud. This, this, this feels like it could have been in a steel cage or maybe the kind of attitude era brawl 10 years later could have, uh, could, could have done something even even more special with this like yeah because great, great match as it was but uh it it's, was such a personal level feud it, it could have gone on longer had i had a bigger blow off uh, and it just felt like a premature uh, singles end to it
0: 100 percent, because macho unfortunately he falls off pretty bad after this match for a while You know, like he's not like in the main event, and there's just not like that's when they end up having to go to, you know, they go to Zeus, and then they kind of bring in Slaughter and The Undertaker. It's kind of another one then, and that's when Flair comes in and then Savage gets reinstated. But Savage is it struggles for like a little while after this, and I think it would have been much better. They they didn't do it a whole lot, but this could have been maybe a match, and, and I hate even saying it, but if there was like a DQ where, you know, Hogan wins. Savage keeps the belt and then and They have a SummerSlam like you said a cage match Blow off that probably would have been better in the long run I just don't like I hate the idea of your WrestleMania main event ending in that kind of A, a DQ yeah. so I don't even like yeah. saying it or like Thinking it out loud but just maybe For these two guys continuing on because I love These two they had great chemistry But I don't think we were ever going to get the pinfall that we Wanted for Savage over Hulk because it just never happened uh, Even all those years later So uh, you know Again I think what, what we said at the beginning of the show there's There's plenty of good on this show a lot of fun, but there's just also a lot of bad and a lot yeah. of things that didn't feel like they needed to be on a WrestleMania show. So kind of big picture thoughts after we've gone through everything, Jason, what are some of the things you remember or stand out or, you know, overall thoughts here? Yeah, just, I, I
3: think the length of the show is certainly one. I mean, those, those bad spots, I no offense, Danny, the, the, the Morton Downey and the, uh, and those kind of stuff. Like to me, they always kind of taint the show a little bit. And to me, the rude, warrior one is is probably the most memorable one for yeah. me i mean obviously macho and hogan is but um yeah I, I i mean a down mania for me overall danny uh
4: you know when i suggested this show uh, last time I, I did it thinking the mega powers explode i did it thinking ultra warrior but uh there was a lot i'd forgotten about this show and the, you know, the first thing i'd forgotten was just how long from start to finish this really was, and, and it uh, felt
0: it felt the long that long when you it, watched it. It did, yeah.
4: It it it, it absolutely did. Uh, but yeah, you know, the, the 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 Hogan Savage, the Warrior uh, Rude, and then yeah, uh, you know, once again my contrary view, the uh, Piper's Pit segment. Uh, those are the things I've always remembered fondly on this. Uh, watching this back. Um, yeah, the, the Mr. Perfect Blue Blazer that was a that was a good bright spot, but uh, nothing else that really felt uh, must rewatch again.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good point. So um, kind of I think mixed mixed signals here. You know, like down the middle for me too. Also, just l- some things that I like, some things that I actually was was looking at on paper, thinking it wouldn't have been as good, and they actually impressed me a little bit more, and then. Uh, You know, three or four things that just did not need to be on this show. So that is WrestleMania 5. We uh, have now gone through WrestleMania's 3 through 10. We also hit on WrestleMania's 13. And fourteen, basically, I try to skip the ones that I really don't like. We we didn't hit one or two because they're they're sort of hard hard on the rewatch sometimes. And then uh, eleven and twelve aren't definitely aren't definitely the greatest. But um, Jason, I'll put if you don't have one in the back of your head that you that you love right now, if you do, in the next minute or so, let me know. I'll, but if I'll not, be
3: honest, you know, this we've kind of my gamut is three is, to is 10. early is and, early. Uh, so and, and and I I really I I couldn't tell you anything that happened. Post Austin Brett just because I know about that one, but like all through the 20s, other than going to WrestleMania 19, uh, I, I just I really checked out.
0: <laughs> so, you you think about it for the next few days. If there's something that jumps up to you, let me know. We'll link up again in a few weeks. We can figure something out. If not, hey, we'll uh, we should we'll do some... like
3: the first uh, the first Monday Night Raw, yeah,
0: yeah. Any, any, I mean, honestly, we raw, could like do like
3: something like that would be kind of fun,
0: yeah. We could do a Raw, like any of those, uh, any of those. Any shows at all I, I don't mind The Raws would even be Would be shorter And they'd be a lot of fun We can watch a lot of this stuff Back on the network So do a little uh- do a little like YouTube dive or something, Jason, in the next few days. See see if something jumps out to you that you love. Shoot me a message, and then uh, we'll link up with uh, with Danny K again in a few weeks, and we'll uh, we'll have some fun talking some old wrestling um, and, uh, and and getting back into our childhood. Because I always love talking uh, some old wrestling with my buddies. So thank you, Jason. Thank you, Danny. Um, happy birthday again, Mister Beam, and give the folks your plugs one more time. Where can we find you on social media?
3: Yeah, just Google Jason Beam. I'm all around. <laughs>
0: daddy k
4: yeah, if you don't know where to find me by now you probably don't care so uh check out my uh, good friend emily shields website uh, simhorseracing.com I'll plug that. that's room. cool Pr- a great proud plug. teamy
0: sponsor great great plug i like that cool um awesome stuff guys well you have a great rest of your evening and uh we'll uh, we'll discuss what we're gonna do again uh, moving forward and i mean w- one positive right now we're we're all horse racing guys it looks like um uh, Hopefully um, a lot of these racetracks are getting ready And getting open back up Jason, do you have like know what, what your like schedule is As far as any tracks you'll be calling at Or anything coming up?
3: I do, yes uh, I will be at Colonial again awesome. And I will be somewhere else that I can't say for a couple weeks
0: Quite yet, okay But we, I'm <laughs> sure as soon as we can know, we will know um, There you go So thank you, Jason, thank you, Danny You guys have a great night, we'll talk again soon See you boys Thanks, Gina Folks, don't go anywhere We will be right back here on That's What G Said Big thank you to uh, all the guests on this week's episode of That's What G Said. We had uh, Jason Beam and Danny Kovalev talking WrestleMania Five. We had uh, Eric back to, to talk NFL. And we'll get you part three of that series in our next episode. And I uh, hope you enjoyed. Make sure to rate, review, download, subscribe. Don't forget head on over to YouTube, Soundcl- SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com itunes google podcast tune in anywhere you get your podcast subscribe for us share the show around with your friends if you can um that's always a a big help for us and anytime you're on social media if you have a question a comment you want to you know post about uh something we said that you like you agreed with you didn't agree with love to hear from you thanks for tuning in again folks we'll be back in just a couple days with an episode that'll talk about uh Billions we'll finish up the NFL Recap we'll review uh, Review Royal Rumble 1992 and then We'll get into some weekend horse racing Have a great rest of your week everyone